Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast, episode 55. Travelling with Marissa and Michael. Cycling Southeast Asia and Europe. This episode is fantastic. You are going to be so inspired by this one. Basically, those guys went on a year trip. Um, it's about, I think Michael actually semi-retired at the time Marissa had a one year um, leave from her work and their plan was to ship their bike to Southeast Asia bike six or seven countries there and then hop over to Europe and go from Turkey to Portugal and today we're going to discuss mostly the Southeast Asia portion and we touch on Europe as a whole as well but I think I'm going to have to get those guys back on to go into more depth for their Euro trip so many stories, so many tips so many things that are going to make you smile and they're just so great to hear about their trip and why you should go and do a similar type of trip as well very inspirational and just to say that me and Emma met those guys in Vietnam quite early on in their trip that's like one of the first few countries we met them in various places I think Hoi An was one met them on a night bus and we also had an awesome day in Nimbin doing some caving on the boats and some a little you know a few hikes as well and uh, yeah, it was great to meet those guys, um, and it's been a, it's been a while since we've actually spoken to them as well. So it was great to catch up, and it's great to get those guys' story on record. And also, want to say thanks for checking into the previous episode, a whole episode on Bhutan. I mean, you've got everything you need there. Don't forget to check out their Bhutan travel logbook. It's got all the information you need about what to expect, where to go, when to go, etc., etc. So thanks for the reaction. It's been an awesome week and it's been a really good reaction in terms of downloads so far and also um, listens on Spotify. So really super stoked about that. And I hope it helps those guys get Bhutan even more out there into the world. And just to finalise this intro, don't forget to obviously, if you want to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee and also buy some merchandise. And as I mentioned in the last intro, I'll be donating all my profits to some Ukrainian families with Choose Love. Happy travels. Plans are starting to formulate, so exciting times. Take care, all the best, and I'll catch you next week. Cheers, James. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marissa and Michael from Brisbane, Australia. Emma and I met these guys in Vietnam in 2018 when they were biking their way through Southeast Asia on their sabbatical for a year. We're going to talk about that epic trip and also some of their personal favourites travel experiences and any other tips they've got for budding travellers going on a biking trip or any other types of trips. They're also keen rock climbers, so I'm going to get that sort of experiences on record as well. Welcome to the show, Marissa and Michael. How are you doing? Hey, great. Hey. Thanks for having us. No worries, no worries. Uh, where are you now? What's happening? We're, we're in Brisbane, back back to the normal routine quotidian life, I guess, um, yeah. working and uh yeah, with, with everything that's happening at the moment, not too much in the way of adventures happening. So uh, we're, we're living through our memories at the moment. Okay. And Michael, how are you feeling? A bit hungover, right? <laughs> I'm a little bit today. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
but we're all good. We're yeah. all good. That's great. So just for the listeners, uh, I'm going to explain that you guys took a one-year trip. Now, forgive me if I got this wrong, but Michael, I thought you quit your business. And Marissa, you took a year off from your job. Is that correct? Back in the day? Yeah, yeah. I had I had long service leave. Um, and I'd also had a, a backlog of leave that I hadn't taken for a while. Yeah. So I'd been trying to figure out what to do with that. Knew I wanted to do something significant. Um, and Michael, I guess what you can, you can I'm tell I'm self-employed. So um, basically told all my clients that I'm going traveling for a year or yeah. so. And um, I was unsure whether I would be able to get my clients back when I came back. But yeah. uh, fortunately, um, they were screaming for me to come back. So before I even got back, I was getting emails and phone calls and stuff. Just like, when are you coming back? Because we need you. So, um, you know, it makes what you do worth it i guess yeah yeah, yeah. Know, uh, worth it to know that know that you do a good job and that your clients really appreciate what you do you felt so. appreciated when you came back so because yeah. like you weren't sure you actually wanted to go back to it at all you're a bit sick of it and yeah. but that having that break was was great for me as well like i've been feeling really burnt out from my job yeah didn't know if i was wanting to go back to it but was ready to go back after the year so and it's also a relief yeah. i imagine right for you guys like you can Obviously, Marissa, you know you're going back to your job as a as a backup. You know you're going back, Michael. You've yeah. got clients wishing you're coming back, so it must mm. it must have made the big trip a little bit more easier because you kind of know in the back of your mind that when you come back to Australia, you're going to probably start it again, or you can start it again and get going. Yeah, yeah. definitely was peace of mind having that during the trip. It was really unknown for me. I I had no idea. Um, it wasn't until very late in the trip that I sort of made that decision where I think I will go back to what I was doing. I've been doing my job, I guess, for a while. And, yeah, I was sick of it and mm-hmm. and it was definitely uh, re- refreshing to have a break for a year and, and then realise sort of where you are at in life um, and whether you really want to try to tackle something uh, new and start from the beginning again or whether you should just go back into what you know and what you're really good at. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a journey and um, that that journey that we went on was also like an internal journey, I guess, as well. So Yeah, very uh, very much be, so. Being able to sort, sort out your that, own. Yeah. That trip of a lifetime for us. Um, so mm. we came to travelling, both of us separately, um, very late when a lot of our friends were having their gap year, you know, out of high school, out of uni in their 20s, the gap year. We, neither of us were in a position to do that. So I think it was both of us, not until our late 30s, we came to travelling. We'd yeah. been to a few places. And so this was really that significant um, big big deal that we hadn't done before. We had this bucket list and it was just about putting it all together. Yeah. And it also proves that it's never too late. Like people exactly. always think age is a is a barrier to go on these like big trips or you know trip of a lifetime, but you you guys proved that you can do it late, um, not worry about maybe come back to a job and then come back to a job. And, so and especially something like because this was cycling and like before say six months before I would never imagine that I would have done something like that. Mm. 
Um, and so it just it shows that anyone can do that. I wasn't I wasn't an experienced cycler by any means. It's um, it came about um, you know by necessity. It's like, well, we're doing a bike trip, so I better <laughs> get a bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before we come to those uh, details, before I've got yeah. those questions uh, yeah, about about planning, I just want to quickly touch on. I, we both knew from meeting you guys that you love rock climbing. Is that how you guys met? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it is actually. It yeah, is. yeah. We we both belong to a um, uh, Brisbane rock climbing club. Yeah, and um, we had both met each other through one of their uh, events that they had. They they went away on a trip. Um, to uh, northern New South Wales, and we we had both met each other. Um, rock climbing there uh, originally and then we just keep bumping into each other at rock climbing gatherings and things like that and yeah what level of rock climbing are, are you guys at because i i don't know too much about it but you see these like tv shows on netflix where this guy's doing like what in, in yosemite national park like doing is it, i can't remember what it's called the big rock yeah but is that are you that level or are you a bit, a bit further down like no, what sort of... no. It, it's it's hard to yeah. intermediate level yeah intermediate. we're okay. not beginners yeah, and we're not advanced, so we're definitely <laughs> intermediate. We've been both been climbing for like me for about eight eight years or so. Michael a bit longer, so we're we're experienced. But it just like some people go at it really hard and can climb the the harder grades and the more sustained things. Like you know, at Yosemite where it's like twenty seven or thirty two pitches. Some yes. of the climbs we yeah. we will do. I think the most I've done is like five five pitch climb um which is pretty big so we're talking about some climbs that will take you you know all day with the hike in and the hike out um but not the super super hard grades and not yeah not competition level it's something we both love and enjoy doing and are passionate about yeah exactly um so uh to give you an example say yosemite is three thousand meters high and it has like 27 pitches in it or something or other like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for what we have here in southeast Queensland in, in Australia, um, we have small mountains and we might have to do between five and eight pitches to to get to the top of that mountain. So, okay. so that's a much, little bit much of a smaller scale. Much smaller scale. Yeah. Right. I'm also interested in your mindset of doing these rock climbs. Like the fear, do you have any fear going up these high scales of oh, definitely. stuff I, I like think, I think um, I think you, you should have a little bit of fear it in, keeps you safe in what you are doing because it makes you concentrate yeah more about what you are doing uh, but it's fear you can manage obviously if yeah. it was too crippling like fear of heights for some people it's just so crippling yeah. they can't get off the ground at all um, I think when you when you start climbing, it's more the fear of falling um, that bothers you rather than heights so much. But some people still have a fear of heights and they climb. It's just they they overcome it gradually. Wow. Yeah. What's the like the ultimate aim? Is it just to get to that top level of the, the top of the rock to see the view and like a sense of achievement of climbing like a certain amount of meters? Or what's the What's the real achievement uh, of rock climbing? It's, it's, yeah, it's different. So uh, I think we both rock climb for a social aspect. Um, okay. We yeah. we uh, we both have um, groups of people that we rock climb with, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the social aspect of rock climbing is definitely, um, I think with any rock climbing group around the world, they will all have their sort of social network and social aspect mm-hmm. about, and, and that's encouraging yeah. um, to, to other climbers and um because you're always um, that competitive nature, I guess, comes in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Often that competitive nature is with yourself, though. You're it like is. competing yeah. with yourself yeah. to like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish I could climb like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Try that little bit harder. I want to do this great. You know, this is one grade up from what I'm currently capable of. Let's give it a crack. And yeah. So it's it's not necessarily about. Sometimes it's about getting to the top because. Yeah, you've got some climbs where you top out at the, you know, a summit of a mountain. Others, it's just like it's a, it's a wall, um, but it's not actually the top of the mountain. It's just a section of wall that's beautiful for climbing. So it's just about getting in there and enjoying the moment. And, you know, you, you do a move that you feel like, oh, that was really cool. And you're really satisfied <laughs> with you, you pulled a really hard, you know, difficult move and you, you stuck a hole, you didn't fall off. So it's, it's it's different depending where you go, um, and exciting to climb in new places, but also exciting to go back to places that you know well and do perhaps a climb that you didn't think you could do, mm. and then you go and you do it. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, these extreme, not I won't call it extreme, but like two episodes ago, Matty Dias, he is an ultra marathon runner. So I'm trying to get my head around this mindset of he goes, oh yeah, tomorrow I could run 50k. I'm like, I just cannot. Get my yeah. head around that he can run 50k tomorrow <laughs> and he's like that's no that's with no training that's just mental so i'm trying to get into these mindsets of these type of activities and rock climbing for me is alien like i i, I would never even consider it it's just off the scale for me because i'm not i'm not scared of heights but it's just the i guess the fear of falling or falling off i guess you can overcome that fear with maybe a bit of training and a bit of persistence with maybe like in a social group yeah. maybe it's a bit more easier maybe yeah indoor rock climbing clubs are very you know um it's good for helping overcome that it's very good for helping overcome that sort of thing because you realize that you're only going to fall a small distance so then what you you, you're just learning to trust your layer um and so when i when i say like for myself i have a fear of falling it's more that i'm just going to fall that little bit but I'm going to smack into the rock and I'm going to take skin off and, and yeah, that, that's yeah. not fall and hit the ground. That's never that's never in the scenario. It's like just falling and, and smacking into something awkwardly and hurting myself. That's that's what I worry about. And have you guys like fell quite a distance before on some climbs? Or like oh, a, a real really. bad collision with the rock? Maybe, have you had a bit of maybe a... Maybe six, six metres is probably the oh, most. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, and that's quite scary, right? Especially... Yeah you have a uh, like maybe a second or two seconds to sort of like think about what's actually going on and oh I and then the rope <laughs> the rope catches you and like yeah. there's, there's um the rope's dynamic so it's not a hard jarring fall it should yeah. never be a hard jarring fall but you just oh yeah rope caught me good and then you just want to either either you go back down and start over or you take a breather or you get back to where you were and you keep climbing but I mean yeah not no injuries just like take take a bit of bark off your knees or off your elbows sometimes or like I smacked my um forehead on a rock but that was actually when I was climbing up and didn't like I was worried so much about where my hand placement was I didn't notice this pointy rock and then head (laughs) um (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know that that's all comes that all comes with it. It's it's a moving meditation, and so I suppose getting back to your friend who's that ultra marathon runner, different people find things that you get in the zone when you're doing mm. it, and it becomes like a meditation for you. And I yes. think that's what that's why people keep going with those sorts of things. Something about it clicks for them personally, and um, and and you just you you feel compelled to keep doing it. You don't have to force yourself to go and do it. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are still maybe trying to find that thing because I don't I don't know yeah. if I can actually name you a thing that I do where I'm like that. Where that that's not extreme, but you know, like that sort of level of adrenaline, if you like. Like I could play guitar yeah. for two hours because that's what I consider in my mind as something that's enjoyable and what I can't stop doing, but it's a bit different. Well, to that, like, that could be your thing. That yeah, could be. It was. Totally. I think it was back in the day. Yeah. Not, not so yeah. much these you, days. You but. get in the zone and mm. you find that you kind of, you have an inner peace with yourself, but it's it's technical. Um, so, yeah, when you're climbing, there, there's, you know, the techniques and being precise with your foot placement and your hand placement and, and what body position you need to do and that sort of thing. So while you're thinking about all of that, your mind is not even thinking about all the other stuff that, like, back home and... Um, I've got one more question before we move on to your trip. You always see uh, on Google or even on these shows, those people who stay in tents, like, attached to the rock. Do you do that sort of level of rock climbing where you maybe have to climb oh, over? Oh, no. 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 Would you like, no, would, would you like to do that? That's, that's like big that? wall climbing. That's when... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like like at Yosemite when it's like thirty something pictures and yeah. it takes a day to get like halfway up the climb. And so you, you stay in one of those um portal edge, portal edge. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Would you like to do that? Is that on your sort of no, bucket list? I'm, I'm good. No, 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 okay. no, no. I mean as far as the adventure side of things go, I think I think it would be great to experience it one time, maybe just doing something like that but it's yep. not something i would just go with somebody who already had the gear and maybe stay for one night on the rock and i think that would be a great adventure yeah um i worry about the practicalities of you know you want to have a little nervous poo <laughs> you can't <laughs> where do you go like seriously yeah, I know. in a bag so in front of the other climbers yeah. no <laughs> yeah, pretty right <laughs> the other thing was that um you know although we met rock climbing and we enjoy rock climbing yeah i think we're just adventurous people so we okay. do lots of different types of activities uh, yeah. we do rock climbing we do hiking, hiking we do mountain biking mountain biking we do mm. tour cycling uh, canyoning stand up paddleboarding oh, yeah. it, it's a wide range of things that we do and it's just because we like the outdoors and we like getting out and and enjoying lots of different stuff yeah um, yeah 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 okay that's kind of leads us nicely onto your trip because you decided to yeah. bike for a year right so can you tell the listeners what was your rough plan for the year i guess it wasn't fixed but what was in your mind of where you want to go and what what well, routes you want to take yeah, it really it really epitomizes your, your winging it ideology. Yeah. Is that we just had a list of places we wanted to go, and we just winged it to connect all the dots. Yeah, it is funny. It started off had a friend who moved to Cambodia, and she um, moved to Cambodia and started working for um, Cambodian Children's Fund. The Cambodian Children's Fund. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, she's a good friend and and um, she was saying like you know when are you going to come over to Cambodia and visit us and so forth so um, it all started with me just going to Cambodia to visit her um, and then while I was there I was thinking to myself well maybe I can uh, ride my bike around Cambodia and and have a a, a journey and adventure and then the next thing was like wow when you look at a map like oh Vietnam's just right there it's yeah, right next door, door to yeah. to Cambodia and then it, it just sort of joined on it's like well then Laos is right next door to Vietnam so <laughs> maybe I can ride all of that and take some more time off and and then oh Thailand is right next to Laos and yeah. Myanmar's right next to Thailand it's it's all just there when it's when it's on a map it's like yeah, really? yeah. It's like it's so close <laughs> Um, so that's sort of how it all started. Yeah, about like, well, we've I've never been to this country and never been to that country and never been to this country. So like, just sort of join the dots and and can we do that? Like, and and Michael had been thinking about it for quite a few years couple, before I came couple, along. A couple of years. And we, we met and we we sort of yeah we we'd seen each other a few times and climbed and that sort of stuff. And then mm. when we actually got together, he was like, oh, like. He knew he was pretty keen on me, but he had to forewarn me that he was going to be leaving see, on this big trip pretty soon. Yeah. And he didn't know how long he was going to be gone. So it could be three months, it could be six months, but he was thinking maybe up to a year. And um, so he, you know, sat me down and had a chat and said, you know, this is what's happening. So we're going to, if we're going to be a thing, then, you know, I could be gone a while. Yeah. I was like, oh, gee, okay, I need to think about this. <laughs> And yeah. then he was like, well, because we'd been hiking and, and done a few things together, a few adventuring things, and he thought, you know, she's pretty resourceful, actually. She'd be good to have along. <laughs> like, um, I, I help him not lose all of his things. So he said, well, would you like to come along? And I was at first like, oh, gee, I don't know, it's a big commitment. And then, well, I've got this long service leave. I want to do something epic. I just hadn't figured out what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, let me think about it. So I thought about it and me being quite an organised person, I did up a spreadsheet of pros and cons of of why I should go and why I shouldn't and, you know, I was like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I could do this. And then I had to convince him to delay his trip to allow oh, okay. me time to sort out my life because I had, had a house, I had to pack up my house, you know, get permission to be away from work for a year and things like that. So... I, um, yeah, had this plan and it meant that delaying it by six months would be a better weather window in Southeast Asia as well. We would okay. miss the wet season. Yeah. And so it was all starting to really fall into place. Yeah. Originally, I guess it, it was a rough plan. It was yeah. very much like I was just going to go um, and just ride my bike. and yeah. Make it up as you go and along. Sort of make it up as I go along. Exactly right. Like I had a rough idea, but, but. And then yeah, Marissa came along, and it was it was more that we Marissa had a whole year off. Um, she was able to take a year off of work, and and we designed it to fit into that year, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, but still, like, still made it up. Still well. making it up as we go along. It yeah. was it was adjustments. We made yeah, a lot of adjustments. adjustments. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I say also in preparation of this trip, you must have 
even though you want to bike, your thoughts must have been, well, we need a good bike, right? You're going to have to really like invest in a proper, yeah. Yeah. proper good one. The, you know, not the bikes that we already owned um, because they weren't going to hack it. So something robust, something you could repair easily Yeah. if something did break. Um, so he did all the research. Didn't start off like that. It was like... <laughs> Two two years earlier, I was like, I'm just going to ride my mountain bike. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. going to strap stuff to it. <laughs> so I did a test run with that and things fell apart and things fell off. And um, it was like, no, this is not going to work. <laughs> I need to buy a bicycle that is going to be able to handle touring and and being able to tour anywhere, not just on the road. So I wanted to be able to do, you know, um, dirt roads and back streets mm. and um uh, just trails as well so whatever, whatever we came across i wanted to be able to um, have a bike that was able to handle handle any terrain really yeah, yeah. So what was the investment was, of that bike how much did you spend do you reckon each uh, about five five thousand yeah 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 and these bikes were monsters i remember seeing your bikes going well that they're they're crazy like they've got huge wheels yeah. you've got the yeah. things either size you can pack your stuff on crazy lots of different types of bikes um the, the brand was a surly and it's a steel bicycle um mm-hmm. which means that you can um repair it with a a, a backyard welder far anywhere anywhere so yeah. um, if something went wrong or if something broke or not having much travel experience before we left we, it was a lot of unknown, but after traveling around the whole world, everybody rides a bicycle. So yeah, yeah. there are there are bicycles everywhere yeah. in every country, <laughs> and it is very surprised. I was so surprised. It's like, but we did come across people that were having issues with you know things breaking, and um, so we had made the right decisions with the bike yeah. that we chose. The um, the gears we we chose to install um, or have installed an internal hub, which meant we didn't have an external derailleur or anything that could get knocked and broken. Um, so we came across people who were, you know, limping along, pushing their bike um, to the next town, and um, we didn't have we didn't have those sorts of problems that they were experiencing. So you got you got your bike sorted. What you must have just obviously booked a flight to carry these bikes over to somewhere. So where did you fly into first? We um, the the bikes got broken down yeah. in the boxes, and we flew yeah. into uh, Ho-, Ho Chi Minh. So yeah, 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 yeah. into Ho- Vietnam. So we, we actually yeah. flew into Vietnam. We broke uh, when a bicycle store buys a bicycle, it's all in components and, okay. and bits, and, and yeah. it's in a bicycle yeah. box. So it's just the frame, the wheels, the seat, and and everything. Yeah. And they put it in a box. So that's all we did as well. We just get a bike, well, bike box from yeah. a bicycle store. Yeah. And we break the bike down and put it in a box. And then um, we just put it on a plane as oversized luggage. Okay. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. As long as it meets the weight criteria of yeah. the plane company. Um, different airlines have different criteria so that's when we got caught coming home it was easy getting over just paying like i don't know 20 or 40 dollars extra for a bike or other companies it's you're paying 50 dollars per kilo and when you're talking about a bike that weighs 20 kilos and then you've got (laughs) 20 kilos of gear 
on that bike because that's everything that you need for a year you're, you're taking with you. Um, yeah, that, that can work yeah, out expensive. It, it works out really expensive. Yeah, so just different companies charge different amounts. So you go do your research with the airlines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you go left into Cambodia or did you go straight up Vietnam? What was your plan um, there? Left into Cambodia. So our first day of riding, we literally rode from um, Ho Chi Minh City yeah. in, across, across the border, to, to the, to the border yeah. of uh, Cambodia. Not too far, we, is it? No, it's actually like about 80 kilometres or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really yeah, wasn't it really wasn't far. And then, um, and then we went to we rode all the way to to Phnom Penh, which uh, yeah. is where our friend um, who lives in Cambodia um, was. And so that took us about four four days or yeah. five four or five days. I can't exactly remember. Just to ride from. And that's when our training really commenced because people assumed <laughs> that we trained on our bikes before we went, and we planned to. Yeah. But life happens <laughs> and we just didn't get the training in so it was like well we'll train on the road like we'll just start <laughs> off small and and then build up the kilometers and um and it was really hot so it yeah. um it Cambodia's conditioned really us really fast yeah 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 something we noticed when we got into southeast asia was the the heat and we we started off riding um like during the middle of the day which is definitely uh not a great, not a, not a great move <laughs> it's like it's midday it. and you're like there's no one around and it's because they're all yeah. sleeping somewhere yeah. in the school yeah. like under the trees and it's like oh we're doing it wrong okay so very very quickly we learned that um if we get up at four or five o'clock in the morning and start riding we can finish riding by 11 o'clock in the day and yeah. we're at the next town that we want to be at. And during the heat of the middle of the day, we can just find a little air-conditioned apartment and just relax. And yeah. Then in the or afternoon. sometimes sometimes we'd be in, like, um, there's these, like, roadside just, like, tin shack things. They're like little hammock cities, and this is what the locals would do. In the middle of the day, they're just laying in the hammocks drinking <laughs> drinking uh, beer and, and stuff and then <laughs> they'll get up again in the afternoon so sometimes we did that too we'd yeah, have that absolutely. break in the middle of the day have some cold beers or cold coke and then uh, keep riding in the afternoon yeah the locals figure out what they're doing and go oh, okay yeah yeah that's the thing right it's a tip to see what they do because I just remember yeah. Cambodia being so hot so yeah I can't believe yeah. you started midday that's crazy also how did you find the uh, Cambodian roads what were they like do you remember <laughs> Um, a mixed bag, really. When we started in um, Ho Chi Minh City, it was a real um, shock to okay. the system because um, you're in the it seems chaotic. In yeah. you know one of the biggest biggest cities in um, Vietnam, yeah. and there was crazy traffic everywhere just like, like <laughs> and we have just gone like what are we doing and what have we gotten ourselves into before we started riding we had to build our bikes and we, yeah. we spent about four days in um Ho Chi Minh City uh, I guess climatizing, climatizing yeah yeah to, um, we wanted to have a look around um the big cities and just getting used to the traffic and getting used to the, well, where things were and the people and 
and just sort of how everything worked. But so the traffic, yeah, that was that was a big um, it was a big shock. The, the chaotic place. nature of it. Yeah. But then you realise that there's a flow to it. No yeah. one's yeah. yeah. First you think, what the hell is going on? Because really no cool. one looks. Really they just cool. pull out in front of you, and then you realise everyone's just looking forward. Mm. So it's your responsibility just to look forward and accommodate who is in front of you. you None of the looking and checking before you pull out. None of that. Yeah. And yeah. you realise there's, yeah. there's a flow to it and then you just, yeah, you get in sync with that. Um, so then when we when we went into Cambodia and the traffic thinned out a bit, um, the roads were, like some of them were, were quite smooth roads. Some of them were really rough. A lot of them we were like in the dirt off on the side. Sometimes we just ditched the roads and went on these little backtracks um, because the, the, the traffic was like just crazy. You'd get a bus coming along, a car would be over, no, no, it would be more like a, a slower one, so like a scooter and then a four-wheel drive be overtaking the scooter and then a bus would be overtaking that <laughs> four-wheel drive. You're like three lanes deep, but it's like, oh, <laughs> And then at one point we're pedalling along and this four-wheel drive just went careening across in front of me into a ditch and, and smashed into a tree. And I was like, Whoa. that nearly got me. <laughs> Holy shit. Like he'd fallen asleep at the wheel or something. So I think after that we, we went on, on, on back roads a bit. But um, you, you, just, you just sort of realise that it's a, a free-for-all and you just accept it. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's how you... <laughs> You just got to go with it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. We had, uh, we're about three or four days. Uh, we'd just left Phnom Penh and we were riding to um, Siem Reap. Siem Reap. And we were riding to Siem Reap. So we're about halfway and this incident yeah. happened. And um, yeah, we pulled over and tried to help the people in the car and all uh, they didn't speak any English at all, mm. and then all these other people rocked up, and yeah, yeah, and, and then um, we just sort of sort of stood back and tried to help where we could, and and we went okay, they seem to be okay, so let's just keep keep, keep going. To really, the next town. really made us realise how vulnerable we were on bikes, yes, in amongst absolutely. all these vehicles. Mm. Um, yeah, the day that commented is that um, you know just give way to what's in front of you. Basically, and that's what everybody does. Just give way to what's in front of you. You don't worry about anything else. Just okay. And were you riding towards maybe like stuff you want to see? So was it like Cambodia? Obviously, you see your friends, but you obviously want maybe want to see maybe Angkor Wat. Is that what you're thinking? Just tick things off that you want to see. Ride there, yeah. then go through to the next country. Is that how you kind of day by day work? Pretty much. Yeah. There was there was like the destination places and. Sometimes, like, if, if it was quite a distance to get to that particular destination that we knew it was going to take us, say, two, three or four days of riding, we'd also look at um, what was in between that we could stop yeah. and look at. And so that was part of the whole, you know, the winging it thing where we would only look a few days ahead at a possible um, way through and if something caught our attention and it meant it was going to take us a little bit longer, yep, that's fine. And then we'd just make up that time later on and shave something off here and there. So it was that constant adjustment and picking and hand-choosing the, the, the things we really, really wanted to see the most. So on that bucket list, like, yeah, we really, really want to see this, but maybe we'll scratch off these because this is more important or 
um, yeah, that sort of thing. Also, it wasn't just about riding our bicycles every single kilometre. It was also, a, it was it was our holiday, you know. We were taking a whole year off and we wanted to be able to see all the things that we wanted to see. Yeah. So it, it wasn't just about riding a bike for us. We, we caught buses, we caught trains, we got on the back of, uh, little minivans and and threw our bikes on the roof of a truck and 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 just you know whatever sort of came along yeah. we just sort of went with the flow and went okay we'll jump on the Sumbled back of your truck and, list, uh, and thanks very like, much okay, yeah. cool. and um sometimes it might have been out of the way to go and visit a town so we didn't want to spend four days riding our bikes to that town and then another four days riding to uh, back yeah. onto uh, yeah. the track. So we would just jump on a, a bus or a train or something or rather go see what we wanted to see and then and then back on the destination sort of trail. So yeah. you know, many times on our trip we or, or we were just tired. Sometimes we were just absolutely knackered and needed a bit of a break, yeah. That's my next question. Was there any rules you had? Like maybe don't ride in the dark or leave at a certain point in terms of the morning or take a day off if you wanted to? Did you have any like sort of rules that you kind of both agree to or to see how it goes? Uh, no, we made it up as we were, yeah. went along. I guess the sort of... There was some common sense stuff, like yeah. riding at night, we tried to avoid it just because it was safer to not ride at night and, mm. and have ourselves settled and know we were staying um, fairly early. I think we would roughly ride for around sort of four or five days straight and yeah. then we would take maybe one or two days off. And okay. so that was more of a common sense sort of a thing, I think. We weren't worried about trying to trying to make ourselves exhausted or push our body to the limit. Um, it was just about the adventure of, of what's around the next corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Okay, and before yeah. we get to the point where we met you guys, any highlights in Cambodia and like stuff that you'd like to mention that you thought was great there? Oh, uh, Cambodia! Oh, was yeah, incredible, it was amazing. We probably spent five days in Sierra Reap and we would hire uh, a little motorbike. Yeah. Um, for the time we were there, and we would just drive around on a motorbike, and Marissa would jump on the back of yeah. our little moto and. Yeah, um, we we just we just drive here, there, and everywhere. We went and saw Coolum Mountain. And yeah, we just tried to see as much as we could. Lots of uh, the the Pink Temple. Then Mante Tray, the Pink Temple. Yeah. And and just lots of lots of different temples and and things in Siemre were were incredible. Um, Cambodia itself was yeah, it was quite amazing. There was. It was, I don't know how I'd imagined it would be, but it was different to how I'd imagined something. Okay, yeah. Um, very, um, very rough, very basic, but beautiful at the same time. Um, and we also we also spent some time out on an island in Cambodia. Um, Korong Som. Yeah. And spent time at Kep. Um, Kep was beautiful. Yeah. Although... Um, we both got sick <laughs> after we the went one to and the only island. Time, the one and only time we got sick. Yeah, the one and in a oh. whole year we only wow. got sick. And it was bad. And we both got sick from, from two different things. We we both had oh. separate the different things. We thought we had the same thing because we had very like almost identical symptoms, like um, 
I won't go into too much detail, but I'm <laughs> yeah. sure you can imagine um, going at both ends and it had been going for a few days. And We just left Koron Salon. So yeah. we think we got it from the island that we stayed at. Yeah. They have, they relied on their food being transported over on boats and then it's, you know, sits there for a few days before they get mm. new stocks. So, um, but I, I ended up with um, Giardia. Oh. And um, which was pretty nasty. So we, we luckily, where we ended up staying, they said, oh, you need to go to this community hospital, like, because we were going to try and find somewhere for me to get some, you know, medical attention. And they were like, oh, no, don't go there. You need to go to this place. And they, uh, you know, arranged for a, a tuk-tuk to, to collect us and take me off to the hospital. And it was incredible. Like, they, they took blood um, they, you know, they checked me out and within no time at all, they had my results from the blood test. Like they just took it out the back and had it, you know, looked at it under the microscope there and then. Um, I had this bag of five different medications and the whole experience um, cost like $25 Australian, um, wow. which is cheap. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I started taking that medication, it just, it sorted me out. But then it was that night his symptoms started escalating and so we went back to the same hospital the next day and so they were like surprised to see us walk in again and um, he had his tests and it was something completely different. It was yeah. um, some bacterial thing. Um, but, um, again, they were amazing. This little bag of medication and off we went and we, we recovered, you know, fairly quickly after that. But we're thankful that it happened early fairly early on in the trip so that was maybe four or five weeks in or so yeah. and um and that was the one and only time we got sick the entire time that's so lucky isn't it that's crazy yeah and the whole yeah. year and we were eating wow. from all sorts of roadside stores i can imagine and like random <laughs> people's backyards and yeah. like you know so we we weren't you know all that careful with what we were eating but um we also use, some, you know, common sense. Some stuff we'd look at it and just go, yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you went back into Vietnam, in South Vietnam as well? You went back into... Yeah, across the yeah. Border, right? To Ha Tien, we crossed back into yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, so we crossed right at the bottom. So we went to uh, sort of Kep was our last sort of stop in Cambodia. And then we crossed the border right at the bottom of... Um, Cambodia, Vietnam, and um, from there we rode up through the the Mekong Delta into um, um, Ho Chi Minh City again, mm-hmm. um, and that probably took another three or four days mm. to, to do that. I can't remember exactly how long it took, but yeah, yeah. we had some wonderful experiences riding our bicycles, and um, I think it was one of our first days in. Um, uh, back into Vietnam, we were riding and we'd been riding for a while and um, we'd left early in the morning. It's it's 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock in the day or something. So it's nearly lunchtime and, and uh, we were looking for just somewhere where we could have some lunch, you know, um, on the side of the road or something or other. And on and the yeah. map, it looks like there's all these little towns. Mm. They're not really <laughs> towns. <laughs> so um, we just sort of pulled over and put our bikes on the side and we could see people eating off to the the 
just behind this fence. So plastic tables. Like all these plastic like this big <laughs> gathering. Yeah. And we're like, is this, is this some kind of like, cafe or eating house? Because it's hard to tell some places. Like, they, yes, this was a cafe, um, but there's no signage, you know, and, and other places there'd be, it looked like there were signs, but no, it wasn't a cafe. It was just someone's yard, you know. So it, it was hard to tell often we were looking at what them. a shop was or what wasn't. And they were looking at us and then we're like, oh, can we eat food? And, and they've gone, oh, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> there were like 20 people. And um, and uh, it ended up just being like a... a a, a family event or a some, local some, sort of yeah. event that mm -hmm. they were just sitting around eating, banquet. eating don't their know why. banquet of food and they just wanted us to come and join them for, for lunch. So, <laughs> I saw Mike, Michael went in and they're like <laughs> telling him to sit down, pulling up a chair, getting a plate, and I'm kind of standing there a bit bewildered not knowing what's going on. Next minute there's people come dragging me in as well. Okay. And then they bring out the beers and they sit the beers in front of us <laughs> yeah. and then they're offering us like all this food and we said, oh, what's that? And they said, oh, it's it's snake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we're going, yeah. like, oh, okay. No thanks, I'm <laughs> And not a single person there spoke English. So I, it, was, it was really, it was interesting. We had no idea what was going on, but they just mm. kept putting food in front of us. And then I realised that so the table I was sitting at with Michael, it was just all men, and over there was this other table of women. And I was just like, oh, oh I'm oh. in the wrong place. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And they're like, no, 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 you stay, you stay. So it was an honour for us to be there at this event, apparently. Um, we just, you know, pieced together through, <laughs> you know, hand signals and stuff, um, yeah, that it was just some big family banquet gathering don't know why that all these fancy special dishes were there, like the snake. Um, yeah. yeah. And then they noticed what I wasn't touching and went, oh, she's not eating any of the dead animals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then yeah. they started putting more, like, vegetarian stuff in front of me and I was just like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Cool. Very You would cool. never find that, would you? Never find it off the beat. Like, if you were to stick into the normal route of a, Made oh, that package no, trail, there's no that. way. Exactly <laughs> no, right. No, there's right. no way at all. This is some tiny Just, village. No one, no tourists go there. Yeah. Everyone's staring at us because it's like these foreigners. Like, what are they doing here? I just call them happy accidents. Yeah. Like, mm. All of a sudden, you're riding along, and someone says, "Oh, you know, like, oh, just we'll come, we'll here, come, come and help yeah, you, yeah. Or, or here's some water, or here's some food, or, or here's or, a bottle of grappa." <laughs> we had lots of people lots would of happy see accidents us like and that. think, like, "You guys are crazy," or something. I, I don't know what they exactly thought, but yeah. it's like they just wanted to help. Because they also thought it was pretty amazing, like what we were doing so yeah, yeah so they want to help out they in just, some way they just want to help in whatever way they can because they think that we're crazy for riding bicycles in the middle of nowhere so <laughs> did you have like yeah. a lot of these yeah. experiences yeah yeah yeah, well, yeah. Well, quite a few quite a few of, of just those happy accidents where we would be in the middle of nowhere and then somebody would appear and and, and offer, curious, offer help or, but they're or, curious about what what you're doing so you'd get the phone out and you'd point to the picture back of australia and then oh, yeah. they'd be oh you oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like yes we've come a long way on these bikes and then that just like yeah well yeah do you, what do you want cool drink here sit down have a rest you yeah, know exactly. wanted the help even even if they didn't speak any english we found a way to communicate and um 
yeah. Yeah, I remember some of the, the most exciting experiences were when we just were lost in the middle of nowhere. We were on uh, a levee in the Mekong Delta and the Mekong Delta River is on one side and then all these rice paddy fields are on the other side and you're just on this so little skinny, skinny dirt, dirt track and then all of a sudden there were these houses on the middle of the dirt track as well and and like they just build their houses in the middle of nowhere as well and we're just riding through their little village and then the dog would come out and start barking at you and then <laughs> you'd be waving at people in the rice village in the, uh, in the, the rice yeah. fields and it was just so exciting to be in the middle of nowhere where, where you never thought you'd be and just riding along or seeing the real people how they live yes exactly not, that not all the tourist trap stuff so yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was part of the experience was getting to see the real world not what's shaped for tourism okay mm. and did you have a time for vietnam did you have a time limit of basically getting from south to north we, oh. we we didn't oh we, we did in a way i think we ended up spending six weeks in vietnam altogether yeah and that was traveling from the bottom to the top i guess yeah Where initially we were thinking maybe four weeks we yeah we took longer so sometimes we were enjoying somewhere so much or we'd figure out that oh there's this place just here and we want to see that and so yeah six weeks all up mm. because vietnam is quite long and thin there's yeah. a lot to see um so it was yeah it was a bit longer so that meant we had to shave off later on in the trip a bit of time it was quite surprising um how much there was to see there was like, mm. like there were caves and there were temples and there were cities and there were yeah. beaches, beaches and there yeah. were, we went rock climbing out on the islands and oh, yeah. into yeah. some friends of ours out there that was amazing yeah yeah so and we met you really about halfway through, didn't we? Was that half like, in the middle of the country on the um, bus? Yeah, uh, Na Trang. We yeah, we'd caught a bus from Na Trang, Nha Trang to Hoi An. To get to and you guys Hoi An. were on the same bus. Yeah, and that's we right. recognised you in Hoi An in the street. In yeah. the street from being on the same bus. Yes, that's right, Michael. You're quite tall, aren't you? Like, I am very tall. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, like two two meters tall, six foot seven. And I was thinking, bloody hell, those those like night buses are going to be pretty cramped for you. And I think they were pretty. Yeah, they were. Right? It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't fun, but it was bearable. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we, we met you in Hoi An. Yeah, I think I was in the street, and then we just seemed I to bump into each other. Yeah, it was around my birthday, I think. Um, or yeah, or, it was. I, was. I was having a birthday in Hoi An that no, I think. The town that we were in, Natrang, it wasn't as exciting for me. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I don't really want to be here for my birthday. Same. So we got on yeah. a night bus and went up to Hoi An. Lots of other people had mentioned that Hoi An was a, a really cool yeah. place yes. to go. And yeah. and um, we were wandering around and saw you guys. Yeah. And, and Michael said, was like, oh, hey, there's the people from the bus. <laughs> let's, let's catch up <laughs> for a, let's, let's go say hi. And, and, yeah. and we organised we to catch dinner. up catch yeah. up for a drink and some food that, that night, I think it was. And it was really good. Really, really good. We went and had a curry, didn't we? Yeah. It, it, it rings a bell. Curry rings a bell, yeah. 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 And then we, then so we that, bumped into each other on the, you know, the Golden Hand. You know, the, it's Golden near, Bridge, yeah. Golden Bridge. Did we bump into yeah. each other there Fana, as well? Fana Hills. But we saw you before that, didn't we? Didn't we have the high tea 
there was some rooftop bar thing where we had that high tea. Was that before or oh, after? Oh, that's in the was, Da Nang. That was uh, in Da Nang, yeah, yeah. so that was, yes. I think that was after the after. big hand. After, after Golden the, Bridge. The Golden yeah. Bridge, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's in Barnard Hills, which yeah. is for, in Da Nang, right? Oh, that's right, yeah, and okay. So we had gone on that adventure there, and then I think we'd organised to meet you guys um, later on that that next day, I think. Because you'd heard about that. That rooftop bar with rooftop the bar. high tea, yeah. tea and drinks and, the and that was very exciting. Yeah, I think it's all you can eat. I think if I remember correctly. That's right. That's yeah, right. loads of cake. Yeah. Oh. It was like all oh, you can eat cake. Wow. Okay. Welcome change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and, the, and then we bumped into you more, right? A bit further up. Yeah, I think we messaged you um, up at Nimbin. Yeah, yeah, Nimbin. It's so funny. We in Australia here. We have a um, a, a town in northern New South Wales called Nimbin. Yeah, yeah. and um, near Byron. Yeah, <laughs> near Byron Bay. And um, so Nimbin is uh, <laughs> always a reminder. Remember it, yeah. Nimbin. And then we went on the most amazing, like um, I don't know what you call it, a little boat trip through the caves, right? Because Nimbin yeah. has those like so, Halon Bay on the on the land lime, and you go through yeah, the caves. limestone casts. And so what caves. made it amazing was those boats. They paddle them with their feet. Yes. So, do you remember that? They, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They wrap their leg around. Oh, the... oh no, they sit sit down and they they actually paddle the 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 oars right, with, with their, their feet. feet. Yeah, and yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. It was like, I mean, we saw some like amazing things on our adventure. Um, but that was that was really cool paddling paddling with their feet that was good i think i found a photo with the lady on our boat actually she i think i took a selfie i think you're in front and i was like taking a selfie and i I got a few photos i might have to dig them out for you but yeah she's just smiling as she's just paddling away on our boat yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. some of the scenery was incredible there right incredible yeah oh beautiful and even that we did that walk where we went up into the temples and up into that lookout and stuff that was really cool yeah really cool definite highlight for me for us actually in, in vietnam with you guys there that really like i've actually recommended that to someone else who lives in vietnam and he's just recently done it actually yeah. um a few weeks ago and he said it's incredible so like yeah, yeah. yeah i passed yeah, on yeah. our experience to someone else and they've done the same thing so that's kind yeah. of good to know very very cool yeah and then obviously on the bus you were taking a little bit of a break right obviously getting the bikes to what do you put them on the train is that right? Or do you put them in the bus? Yeah, we did. We put them on a train. Yeah. Uh, we, we caught a train from Hanoi, I think. We went from Hanoi to Sapa after Sapa, that. yeah. 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 So we went up to Sapa and um yeah. Uh, oh well we yeah, we went rock climbing. Uh, and then we went to Hanoi. Yeah. And Hanoi we went up to Sapa. Yeah. And then we rode from Sapa to From Sapa we went down to yeah, across the border into Laos. Across the border to Laos, yeah. and that was that was um, that was the first time that um, I, I made Marissa ride uphill for eight hours, up two thousand meters. That was the uh, biggest and... hills so far on the trip. <laughs> he he said, "Okay, right." So I need to tell you. So today we've got about maybe four hundred meters of elevation to do. And, you know, so just so that you know and you prepare for it. So, oh, okay, yeah, I'll get through this. And then we're riding all day and I'm like, 
This feels like more than 400 <laughs> metres of elevation. Like wow. it's still going and going and, and you get these false tops, you know, where you're like just around the corner, oh, this should be it. And then you know there's more up. Mm. Like, what the hell? And then yeah. he's like, oh, <laughs> I made a mistake. It's actually 2,000 metres. <laughs> yeah. Error. So uh, Marissa was on the side of the road just before the top crying. And Well, and- I couldn't get my legs off my bike. She was just tired. My legs oh, were wow. just, I was completely spent after all the up all day. The roads were in bad nick. They were chewed up by trucks because there was all these um, massive, massive trucks, you know, um, with um, gravel and stuff going up and down the, this mountain pass. Some quarry or something. Some yeah. quarry. And, and the roads were chewed up and so a massive truck had come barreling around the corner and you're trying to, you know, not get swept off the mountain or hit by the truck. And yeah. So it was it was a pretty taxing day. I think I was worried about you guys. Uh, yeah. Because I've been to Lau before and I was like, I sent to Emma, God, the roads there are shit. They're going to really struggle with just the, the quality of the roads, never mind yeah. even going up or downhill. And I thought even yeah. the buses struggle, but like you on your bikes, I was like, yeah. oh my God, I hope they get through it. Yeah, that it's was my So funny. Time. Crossing the border into Laos, the road at the border was immaculate. Christine. And Christine. We, we, like we rode down the other side of, so we'd just gone up a 2,000 metre pass and then we've gone down the other side. It literally took us half an hour to ride down the other side and then it's getting dark and we ended up finding a little um a little field little field rice paddy field that we ended up sleeping in their day huts okay um, they make these little day shelters to to sit in in the middle of the day because it's so hot um and it gives them a little bit of shade we ended up setting up our tent in this field and and we ran out of petrol for Wait, our yeah, cooker, for cooker so yeah. we had to have, i had a night adventure to go and get some petrol at night time and that so was we were supposed decided. to get to a particular town and the maps were just like really hard to figure yeah. out what was what you'd see it looked like it's a village you'd get there there's a house no village no shops no nothing so we realized it was another 30 kilometers to get to the next town and it was going, getting dark, and we were like, ah. Oh. And then it's more uphill, and we're like, nah, this this field will be great. There's this creek, <laughs> this little this little shelter things. So the tent went in the shelter, and yeah. We had a little. Um, uh, it was a, a petrol cooker. Yeah. So, um, and it, you just you pump the sort of petrol through the tube, and it comes out the other end, and it's like a little. You, yeah, you little, pump it with air to pressurize it, and it. it um aerosolizes the um the petrol yeah uh, we ran out of petrol in that canister so then i had to walk down the street and find somebody else who could help us get some petrol yeah. so then they just rode off on their little moto and then came back about half an hour later with the little canister and i gave him some money and said thanks very much i wandered back to my camp and Chris is like, where have you been? <laughs> I'm sitting there in the dark, like, oh, is he ever coming back? <laughs> the- Did you come into those many situations where it's just going to be, Christ, where are we going to stay tonight? Like, where, like, is there no end yeah. in sight of the, just the Enders Road or the Enders Fields? Oh, we just, we just, yeah, we've just figured that out a lot. Yeah. So often we would be, in, in Southeast Asia, there would be a lot of little, like, guest houses so we would stay in it we'd just figure out where a little cheap guest house was and get a yep. room and and they wouldn't cost much money like 
seven dollars, ten dollars, fifteen. Um, you get a room, with air conditioning, and a shower. You know, all you needed. It was yeah. the camping thing wasn't really as accessible as it as in Europe. When we got to Europe, we free camped everywhere. Yeah. Um, and sometimes paid for for camping, but um, we yeah the accommodation thing was just often you know having a conversation with someone um, while we're buying some food or snacks and and they'd go oh yeah yeah follow us and you know they'd show us somewhere to stay or um, yeah. Yeah, so we wild camped sometimes when we needed to and it wasn't a problem. Well, it wasn't a problem for me. No, no. I think we are. You know, we, we still keep no, our wits no about us. No, pre-booked. Yeah. Yeah, no, we would just rock up wherever we were and we would just make it work. Yeah. Basically, we always had spare food. And so say food is my next question, yeah. Um, emergency yeah. food, yeah. yeah. We always had emergency food, like some pasta and... Um, something, noodles, some yeah. noodles or something or other. Mm. Noodles was big in, in Southeast Asia and probably pasta mm. was big here in Europe. So yeah. um, that sort of thing was always easy to carry around and not not heavy, you know. Um, yeah. You can mm. carry a lot of pasta and and quite compact in your backpack, in, your in your pannier bags, yeah. and, um, and it didn't really weigh that much and you could get a good hearty meal out of it. So you, so you made sure you just had like maybe two or three days worth of backup just in case. Is that the rule? Yeah, really? yeah, 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 exactly. And then when we used that, we would always resupply it whenever yeah. we got to the next town or something or other. So we will, we always made sure that we had some right, basic stuff if we were in the, the middle of nowhere, yeah. we were able to eat. Like sometimes we would literally be cooking something on the side of the road um, because we were hungry and, and yeah. there was nothing around. So... Uh, it was lunchtime and we were hungry, so mm. we would just pull over and and cook something that we had in our bag and and then keep going. Did you find that you were eating more because you just the calories you're burning probably every day, right? Just riding constantly, especially up yeah, for eight absolutely. hours, must be yeah. relentless. Yeah, 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 definitely. for sure. I'm I'm not a huge eater, and mm. I I found very quickly I couldn't sustain myself um, on what I was eating. Um, like my normal eating habits once yeah. we started on the trip went out the window and, and I just had to listen to my body and feed it when it needed when it needed food, which was an adjustment because I don't like eating carbs and I don't like eating greasy fattening stuff, but it's like when your body needs it. By the time we reached like five months in, I was I was really quite depleted from a um sort of specific nutrients because I'd had that incident in Cambodia where I'd gotten really sick and things not functioning properly and then, um, yeah, I needed to get some, you know, magnesium and um, B12 and stuff like that into me. So, um, yeah, you have to really listen to your body and if you're feeling like something's not right, you've got to figure out what's going on and try and sort it out. Otherwise, you just can't keep going. Yeah, 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 100%. And also for Laos, was it more difficult? Because I, I find Laos quite sparse. It's a huge country, mm. and yeah. I guess you're going, you're going along some... the top, right? I guess like into Thailand. Yeah, well, yeah, yes. yeah. We we started in the top, but then we started to move south very quickly. Um, so we we actually um, um, our second day in um, Laos, we caught a longboat. So oh, yeah. it okay. was um, basically we were at a river town, 
and then um, we'd organised to just um, put our bicycles on this longboat and we travelled down river for about six hours, I think it was, on a, yeah. on a longboat. That's super cheap. But we ended up in this beautiful town called uh, Nong Kyo. Okay. And, oh, um, fantastic, yeah. And it was, um, I guess it was set up as a touristy sort of a town, but it was very... Not... Not as much as the um, so near the capital of of Laos and um, those other towns that like there's big tourist towns, but yeah. in the north more they they're less so. They've still got that remoteness and um, mm. a lot more simple and basic. And for a long time, the boats were the only way you could get there. That was their their highway. Um, and that's one of my favourite memories of Southeast Asia, actually. It's in northern northern Laos and, and Nongkyo and how beautiful it was and how remote it felt. Mm. I feel like someone else has mentioned this on my podcast, this, this place. I feel like this was a like a recommendation, which is not like a, a popular one that you'd hear for Laos. I think it's a, no, it's a place that you're talking about. Mm. It's, it's very sort of raw, villagey sort of atmosphere. Mm. But with lots of exciting things, you can do a waterfall um, experience, or we did a um, a high line experience where we were zip zip lining, zip lining to yeah. um, through the through the through the natural forest. And the forest was amazing. It's like huge, massive trees, rainforest, so, gorgeous. Yeah, it just like and it varied. We had massive smiles on our face yeah. after the zip lining experience, and yeah. it was. And there's like caves. You can go exploring caves there as well. There was okay. this um, hike up to this mountain peak, mountain peak, which looks beautiful. over the top of Nongkyo, and you look down the river, the river and all that stuff. And it was very exciting place. So we did a sunset, sunset hike. Yeah, yeah, sunset hike. Watched the sunset, and I took my drone on the trip right. and some drone footage as well and it was very exciting so oh you got some drone footage oh my god yeah that's a question i need to yes. go into maybe towards the end and then i guess you were going through to thailand from laos from the north of laos we traveled to the south of laos um and we actually went to um a, a rock climbers oh, um, green green climbers it's called green climbers and um, okay. it's yeah. like it's it's like a um it's like an area. It's just designated completely for climbing. Built just for oh, climbing. Okay. So it's, got, it's a big climbers camp. Little, um, you can camp there with tents or two, it's got little accommodation places. And two it, huts, which are like the main um, where you can order food and there's a bar and big sort of shared eating area. I mean, anyone can go there, but it's, it's built for rock climbing. So right. people would just... Um, come back to the main sort of bar area and and eat and relax and just you know enjoy the the moment. But the area was was it's just surrounded by these walls of limestone, limestone rock, wow. and, and, it's and so much climbing built for rock climbing. Yeah, so. you must love so, that. Uh, you must have just got yeah, your it was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we took a week off, so we were there for, oh, wow. for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, and then Christmas, and then we went to um, Thailand. And then we years. went to Thailand from there, yeah. Yeah. That's a, um, I, I do remember, I, I think you must have said something on when we met you, or you're like gagging to do some rock climbing. I think I remember you maybe yeah, saying that, yeah. like you're just yeah. itching we've to been, get, get up we've there. We've been carving our gear with us, and, uh, you know, we wanted to use it. 
Oh, um, so you had specific gear for rock climbing on your trip? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So we had a, we took a harness with us and we took our shoes. The climbing shoes. And that's okay. all we took. We just hired uh, a rope or borrowed a rope um, wherever we went. And if we needed quick draws, we would borrow or hire that yeah. as well. Mm. So because we're living on our bicycles and we can't afford to be carrying yeah, yeah. Uh, a heavy, a heavy rope, rope yeah, and yeah. All, all these quick draws and things like that. It would just have been, been ridiculous to, to, we wanted to still be able to climb. Mm. And um, mm. I think on our travels, we climbed in six different countries. Decent. So, That's um, good. Yeah. Six, yeah. 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 Six, six is pretty good. So um, through, through Europe and through Southeast Asia. Um, and we could have climbed in more. But I think we had a couple of injuries. Yeah, that, that got injured at one us, point and then just us from yeah. climbing a couple of times. So. Yeah. Any crashes like that you actually had yourselves? Mm. Yeah, I had I had two. So the first one I just sort of gravel, I slipped, I slipped on gravel and then just sort of fell over like a tree mm. um, in in Myanmar. Um, and I just felt a bit jarred by it and picked myself up and mm. kept going. That was near that lake. And I think that, yeah, near, when we were on our way to Inlay Lake, Inlay Lake, I think that sort of triggered triggered something in my shoulder that escalated after that. And then I had another doozy of a crash when we were in um, Austria where um, I, I get distracted by ducks. <laughs> and I'm paddling along with ducks. All wildlife. I love my wildlife. Donkeys, <laughs> you know. So I'm paddling along and I'm like, oh, look, ducks. <laughs> Not knowing that Michael's cut across in front of me no, because he, a, he realised we needed to turn right. Road. There's a fork in the road that goes like this. I thought we were going straight way, ahead. Go and he was like, oh, we need to turn right. But he didn't say that. He just he just went right. <laughs> and when I looked back, he's in front of me and I didn't have enough time to break. So I just kind of smacked into him, went flying and just skidded along Um yeah, just sort of a superman and then landed on your elbow. Yeah, on my elbow, just went or along the, the bitumen and, and ripped That's over it. my elbow pretty bad. Like um it was it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. But I just kind of I just went into um right, we've got to sort this out, you know. Yeah. First aid kits in front penny air, Michael get meanwhile his blood pouring out of my arm and I'm just instructing him on what to do <laughs> while he feels back. It's like oh this is really bad <laughs> like it's fine bandage it up get back on the bike and keep going yeah i think uh, she did amazing that day i think she still rode another 50 kilometers with this injury Jeez. on her elbow like that wow. day and the shock, just to get to this town where we were the shock kicked in later yeah it wasn't until that yeah. night where, that i was like then i cried <laughs> but at, at the point when it when it happened it was like i just had to sort it out deal with it patch it up so we could get going yeah um, they were on pretty nice roads so it wasn't too um like it wasn't up and down mountains or anything on mm. that day on that yeah it was flat it was, so flat, it was pretty so, pretty yeah. it's pretty good it, it probably took us another three or four hours to get to but injuries that was sort yeah. of that was really it for injuries yeah there weren't too many other injuries no. so and did you find Lao into Thailand, a, a significant improvement in the roads. So it must have been a bit easier, right, going into Thailand? I'd imagine. I might be wrong. Thailand. Well, we got to. We, we got cr to cross the bridge, and they they weren't going to let us. Oh, ride they didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to oh. because the, the border crossing into Thailand is is a bridge across the river. Yeah. And 
we've been warned that when you get there, that they tell everyone that they have to get on a bus to cross that bridge. And um, we had friends that had gone through like only a few days before and sent us photos of themselves cycling across the bridge so we knew it could be done. And, um, yeah, they were trying to basically hijack us into paying money to get on some bus and, like, we're like, we've just got our bikes and and then, like, so I'm having this argument, like, I'm like, no, no, they're not scamming us. (laughs) And (laughs) so Michael just sort of stood back while little angry me was like, no, and I'm, like, showing this man photos of our friends a few days before and in the end, he was just like, oh, I can't argue with her anymore. Just go. <laughs> so we rode our bikes anyway. We just left. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody came to stop us. Uh, yeah. So. It, it became a, a border issue then, I think, between, uh, well, who's responsible for them riding their bicycles yeah. across the river? Yeah, because you, you were in this no man's land and they yeah. just wanted to get you through it as quickly as possible. Whereas on the bikes, it was like, oh, anything can happen. No, we don't want to know about this. But we just, yeah, got our way and, um Cross back into Thailand. The roads were good, and then we got to cross back onto our side of the road. Yes, um, of course. Being a Commonwealth country, um, so that was that was fun. That was a novelty, getting to feel like you were riding normally again. There were still some bad roads, but um, yeah. yeah. I, rem- I remember, it, you know, um, Thailand. We had some wonderful experiences in Thailand riding our bicycles. So yeah. riding our bicycles, I remember from Bangkok north. Um, we were we were heading oh, to, heading uh, north to the border to so that we could cross into Myanmar. Yeah. But I remember the first couple of days we were just riding out of Bangkok and and like under bridges and we were avoiding these. main roads, so we were okay. finding ways that um, on, on Google Maps you basically we want to get from here to there, and then you could click on walking walking mode or. or some places would allow you to click on cycling, but walking mode meant that it took you through these really cool little paths and little footbridges and um, you got to see really cool stuff yeah. when you're away yeah. from those main roads and busy roads. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, it, it, uh, you know, that definitely helped us see a lot of things uh, that most tourists wouldn't see. Yeah. Um, well, because we would, would Google it and, and go on walking, um, it would just take you through these like amazing little places. Some of yeah. it was like skinny little tracks with grass taller than him either side, and you're like, "Wow, what the hell are we yeah. doing?" But you just, yep, you follow in the map. It's all good. You know, you're going to get to a town, and um, yeah, it was neat. It was really neat. And uh, that was one of the big big adjustments at the beginning of the trip. Was initially you find yourself. You're a bit fearful of the unknown because you mm. don't know you don't know what's ahead of you each day, and then at some point there's a switch in your brain where you're like, "What are we going to find today?" You're excited about the unknown ahead of you and what unknowns you're going to discover, and yeah, that that became something that spurred you on each day. That that thrill of the new and exciting each day. What was going to be uncovered? I think that's travel in a nutshell, right? Surely that's yeah. why you go traveling yeah. by the unknowns. New stories, new yeah. people that you meet. Talking to people, did you meet any fellow riders like, on the roads doing the same sort of trip? Many, or same yeah. Thing? Many, many. In every country we went to, yeah. we met uh, cycle tourers from all around the world. Yeah. In different different types, there were couples, there were people on their own. 
um, you know, people from Austria and people from Germany and people from Canada and uh, just people from all over the world. They were, it was, um, and it was exciting to, sometimes it would just be like a, a wave of yeah. somebody going past on a tandem bike who were travelling around the world and, and like <laughs> looking at them going like, oh, there's yeah. no way I would That's ever sit work. on a tandem bike. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, other people were just like on their own and we would sit and talk to them for maybe 15 or 20 minutes and, and um, sometimes we would meet couples and we would talk to them about, We'll ride with them for you know a couple of days before we you nice. know split off in our different directions and yeah yeah because you always had that sense of like you know they're a kindred spirit because they're out roughing it like we are <laughs> exactly but you know we do we, we also met people who were roughing it more than we did so some people oh. who are very purist about it in like they had to ride a minimum of a hundred kilometers every day and um you know restricting the calorie intake and only only staying um the, the, the monasteries and stuff yeah, yeah. And so they, on a budget they have to stay for free wherever yeah. they can because they different don't people have, have different um yeah. different plans and different things they want to get out of it and we didn't need to make it like it's already hard to do yes. what we were doing yeah. so yeah. we didn't need to make it harder on ourselves yeah everybody has uh different ideas of what they want out of their own adventure and so people accommodate their own their um, own desires but also when mm. when so we were we were doing it for a year so a lot of people we would meet were only doing a, a cycle trip for maybe a month or two months so yeah you can go hard and and um do it a lot rougher and with less things yeah. um and restrict your calories a lot more if you're only doing it for a short time but for us, we couldn't sustain that long term if you're pushing yourself to do 120 oh, yeah. kilometers yeah. every single day, and and not having rest days. Like, yeah, you can't you can't sustain that for a year, really. So, um, yeah, just just the different different things that you know everyone has their own ideas about what they want to get out of their trip. Yeah, and no right or wrong way here. It's just the way people want That's to right. do this. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it should never be about what's right and what's wrong. It should just be about what's right for you. Your yeah. journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Absolutely. And for Thailand and going to Myanmar, I guess you're going up north north part of the country into Myanmar. So Myanmar's interesting because we all know at the minute it's struggling uh, as a country. Yeah. But we managed to go there in twenty eighteen as well, I think. And yeah. we've not met many people who have been there. So what was your experience in Myanmar? Because we love began the area when you ride through the temples and and mm -hmm. like just a huge oh, area. Yeah. It was Marissa's birthday when we were in um, in uh, Bagan and um, oh, wow. Uh, I bought her a uh, um, the hot, air a hot air balloon ride. Oh, over yeah. and, um, it was spectacular. Again, we. We hired a motorbike and just drove, rode around on the moto and saw yep. all of the yeah. things that we wanted to go and see and we got lost many times yeah. in the in the temples and it was exciting. It was always, we had nice accommodation sometimes. When we felt like we were in a, a big town or a big city or something, we would, we would splurge out and get some nice accommodation and it was still cheap in these countries yeah. for, for us. Compared to Australia, okay. yeah. yeah. 
Myanmar was, um, it definitely felt like stepping back in time. Yeah, 100%. Because they haven't really been open to tourism for a long time. And it was, so Laos was one of my favourite places, but then also Myanmar from Southeast Asia just um, felt really um, remote and, and the culture. You feel the culture more than other places would have had the impact of tourism for too long. And we also found there, there was the opposing side of it is that you would go into um, the capital, the official capital, um, thinking you're going, you're going to a capital city. This is going to be really cool. And it's purely a political capital. It's segregated. We didn't know this. So we're trying to find places to eat and somewhere to stay. And people are like, no, 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 no. And they're sending us off. Like, they're looking like, no, we don't want to have you here. And it's like they're not allowed to. Like, the government will fine them if they allow a foreigner. We had to go to the foreigners' quarter. Um, There was, like, suburbs where only the foreigners were allowed. Like like 20 kilometres away. 20 kilometres away from where we were. It was not. (laughs) uh, And and we've been riding all day, I think, as well. Yeah. We were were going from place to place to to try and find somewhere to eat and somewhere to some some accommodation. And everywhere's like, no, no foreigner, no foreigner. And we're just going, like, what do you mean? No foreigner. Like... Really weird. every other place we've been traveled this is the first time we've ever experienced this and yeah and then someone said oh it's to keep you safe we, to keep you safe you have to stay in the foreigners area and it was like oh. it, yeah. there's nothing about it that wasn't safe but then the more you learn you realize why it's been set up that way but part of it also feels like it's a big a big rort um the areas where the foreigners the tourists can stay mm. They charge so much more money, and it's yeah. like oh, I see what's going on here. But like we didn't, we didn't know, we didn't expect this, and it was a big shock to the system. And it felt very, um, very much like we were being discriminated against. But then we realised that what it is is actually that the, the government, um, yeah, it threatens these people that you'll get massive fines if a foreigner is seen at your um, at your place. Crazy. Um, so they're just not worth, you know, not worth the risk to them. Did you go to Yangon? Yeah, yeah Yangon yeah, was yeah. weird. Wonderful. I found a great, great, like, yeah. great place. I didn't really find yeah. that it's very safe. I didn't really find like a, an area like to stay in. We just booked somewhere that had a hostel, basically, and that was it. And yeah. even yeah. the local restaurants were that, like, I, I said to a friend the other day that they would have like ten staff working in the restaurant. Only one could probably speak a bit of English to try and get us yeah. um, our food. Yeah. And we found them so like welcoming and trying to learn yeah. and trying to. And because we're vegetarian at the time as well, so they would yeah. offer the meals without the meat, and then they take money off, right? I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's so cheap anyway. But like yeah. a, a meal that costs two dollars of meat is now costing one dollar without meat. And we're, we find this crazy, yeah. and they just go out of your way to help you out. And I f- we love Yangon, and unfortunately, I guess you can't go there now. But at this time, but yeah. great city. That's right. The, the street food there was amazing. Wow. Unreal. Like, uh, yeah. We, we had some wonderful experiences um, at nighttime in the street food. And um, a lot of the time when we were traveling through Southeast Asia, we would use um, we would use an app. Well, there was an app that was very helpful when you, you can't, you know, you haven't got a shared language. So you'd, you'd yeah. point at a picture of something to try and tell them. Um, but the other one that you're talking about is the um, the one that gives reviews on places. Um, like local places, you mean? Yes, through Southeast Asia. It mm. was really like uh, like all the tourists would use this app and, and they would rate 
all of the best places to go Got in it. Southeast Asia. And we found that that app was... So if you're looking excellent. for good coffee, so we use this app a lot yeah. to find good coffee because that was very hard. There's a great coffee place coffee. in Yangon, I seem to recall. Did you have some good coffee yeah. there? Oh. I want to say it's like ground coffee cafe or something like that. But we found this one coffee place and that was like unreal. It's just maybe two blocks down from where we were staying. And it's like yeah. a, a bit of a bit of a Western calf, you know, it was very much yeah. that sort of vibe, but unreal coffee. And that's like I a wonder much if needed. That, I, yeah, there's somewhere I remember as well in Yangon. I wonder if we went to the same one. I think it's got a black and white was... logo. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we, whatever we, this app was, it was handy for finding, yeah. you know, because like we were fine with eating whatever we could find. But every now and then we were just like, oh, we just want to have something normal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what we're used to having back home. So um, we found this fantastic Japanese place in, in Yangon and it had a whiskey bar as well. And it was like, oh, yes. And it got, <laughs> it got a really good rating in this app. Um, so that was really, really handy to have. One of the other things that we did in Southeast Asia was um, we would go onto Google and look up hidden gems. Hidden hidden gems. Ah, if okay. you googled hidden hidden gems, and then the name of the city, and the name of the city, it would come up with maybe a list of five or ten different like, like hidden cool things. gem places That's awesome. that were you'd never find. You, you had to walk through this alleyway and go up <laughs> these stairs and take a right turn and go through the black door, and then you came <laughs> out in this incredible burger place or this. Or a- or this bar or something like, temple or it's just like and yeah. no one knows about it it's like it's just Dream. not on the main tourist thing so yeah that was fun i recommend that to anybody going through mm. um or i guess going through a lot of countries if you just google hidden gems and and unique places that's like, how we found um, one of the famous egg coffee places in um hanoi, uh, hanoi. hanoi. yeah it's got no signage at the front yeah, you walk You've through got like a, a little tailor shop. Yeah, you walk through a fabric yeah. shop and then down this long, dank, dark corridor, and you're like, "Where the heck am I?" Like, <laughs> yeah, this little yeah, this little door in the back of this fabric shop, and then next minute you come out into this amazing place, and um, yeah, we had this extraordinary egg coffee. It was amazing. I, I've, I've been trying to recreate that egg coffee yeah. ever since. And we're just, oh. I think we had a similar experience in Hanoi. I think we went through to someone's house and there's like someone's washing line there with some clothes. And we're like, oh, are we just, should we get, go through? Where are and we, we went up the stairs and then there's this like little coffee bar there. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah. incredible yeah. experiences, yeah. right? I wish I'd known about right. that hidden gems thing when we went traveling last time because I think that's mm. what you want to do, right? Let's get off that yeah. exactly. classic yeah. tourist route. We, we found some really cool places. We did, like we did. Was, yeah, I mean, you always want to go and visit, but you know, the, a list of five or six come up, and you almost want to go and visit all. Of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we try. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go here yeah. now. I want to go there because that place was so good, it, yeah. and it makes you feel like you're on this exciting adventure. Yes. Mm, yeah. On on top of the adventure that you're already <laughs> on, so so it just makes it all that more exciting yeah. about going to through this hidden corridor that yeah, nobody else knows about. Yeah, something special and rare and secret, you know. That's really just cool. adds to it, yeah. I think that's what you aim for, isn't it? That's what you aim for on the trip. It is, yeah. It is. yeah, yeah. yeah. Unique. 
I and remember he, we were yeah. bit, we were we were in the middle of a marketplace, like one of those big hall marketplaces, oh, yeah, yeah. and we had to climb these ladder stairs thing, and we came out in this in this <laughs> temple above the the, the, yeah. the market. And it was just like this unique, <laughs> really really cool little place. And when, um, yeah, just a, quite a few places like that we found. It was, it was very exciting. Okay, and Myanmar. What was your plan there? Did you? plans to come back into Thailand or what was the we, we had actually planned um we were going to ride so from Thailand we crossed at Miawadi we, we doing you know look around doing different things but mm. began and Inlay Lake and yeah we were going to keep going north and up into Bangladesh oh, okay. and then we started we started because we were going to keep riding uh, a, a bit further into, into India and Nepal yeah right and then we started to uncover that that they were having problems up in the the northwest. Yeah. And we had read about people who had like just a matter of weeks and months before had gotten up there and had been sent back to told to turn around turn around yeah. and go back the yeah. way you came they, in. They weren't able to cross the border. You have to come there. in and out through the same water crossing. Um, so they they got all the way up there and and had been turned back and they they tried to get through and couldn't. Um, and so we saved ourselves. We decided to save ourselves that drama. And because we'd taken a bit longer, so it was five months in to our trip at that point, mm. and we'd taken a bit longer in some places, and we thought, well, we've still got all of this we want to do in Europe. Yeah, so maybe we'll just fly and we'll skip over that middle section and it can become another trip in the future. We'll okay. come back and do that another time. Yeah. So we decided to fly from Mandalay. Um, over into uh, Istanbul. Istanbul. Oh, okay, so you're going to go west from Istanbul through Europe. Yeah. 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 So okay. basically, then we rode. Uh, the rest of our trip was from Istan Istanbul to to Portugal, basically through right through the middle of Europe, and we followed um, the rivers. So we, we rode our bicycles up to um, Bulgaria, Romania. So we yeah. rode um, uh, where the Danube. And enters oh, the Black Sea, basically. Okay. So Constanta yeah. is right there. So yeah, that's where we jumped on the the cycle trail. So there's a whole series of these Euro velos mm -hmm. in in Europe, and um, so that's where we started cycling. And in Europe, about fifteen or sixteen cycle velos. So Euro velos. Euro velos. So in Southeast Asia, because of the heat and the terrain, we were. Um, you know, we'd have the times where we'd chuck the bikes on a bus or on a train or in the back of a truck. Once we got to Europe, we were really conditioned by then, a lot fitter, we were a lot more used to it. And so we rode everything from that point in, from, from Istanbul. Um, we didn't catch any more trains or buses. Oh, wow. or, it's not, it wasn't a decision that we made. It's just how it happened. Um, it was just that. We were trying to follow the the rivers anyway. Like it, it was mainly flat. You know, not always. There were there were mm. still hills to go up and down. Yeah. But it was mainly flat following the rivers. So we we followed the Danube River from the Black Sea through to Germany, um, and then we crossed from Germany to Switzerland, and then we followed the Rhine up into France, and then from France we followed the Loire River to. Um, to the, the Atlantic. Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. 
Um, and then we went down and did the Camino del Santiago ah, um, nice. into, um, in, in through Spain. Yeah. Um, and then uh, finished our trip in Portugal and flew back to Australia from Portugal. So. And that was another, what, seven, six, seven months? Another yeah, six, yeah, seven months. Yeah, seven months, exactly yeah. Right, yeah. And was it easier in Europe as a whole to ride? It was. There were things that were yeah. easier and there were things that were, I guess, just more expensive. Yeah, I struggled with food. Once we hit Europe, you would think that food would have been easier being a vegetarian. I struggled. It's Eastern 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 Europe. Eastern Europe is... um, Very, very um, meat-oriented diet. Yeah, meat and potatoes. Yeah. Did you, like, ever crack to have some meat because you had no choice? Or was that always there? No, I can't. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't force myself to do it. I did so. Uh, good point, though. I did start eating um, fish. So okay. in Myanmar, um, so I think I mentioned earlier how I, w- I was really starting to feel depleted five months in and I realised I wasn't getting enough magnesium and, and um, um, I think B12 and, and there was something else like, yeah, I just wasn't getting enough iron in my system. And so I, I know one day... I'm trying to ride up a hill and I couldn't. I felt like I was passing out and um, I, I knew something was up and I had to reassess my diet. So I was buying a lot of nuts and things and trying to supplement whatever uh, food we could get, um, you know, supplemented as much as we could, but I knew something was amiss. So I started eating some fish and and it was like, wow, it, it really helped. Okay. And I think Europe yeah. is another episode probably that we can go into but i want to get some yeah. rough highlights of europe like what what was your maybe like highlights of europe what was your maybe some of your favorite places that you saw or even countries or um from a from think? a cycling point of view once we got to austria the riding was amazing absolutely amazing mm-hmm. but then like just from a scenery point of view istanbul we loved turkey and istanbul Croatia um, and Croatia. We spent fantastic. We we hired a car for two weeks. We took, in Croatia. That's right. We took oh, some time nice. off and hired a car. We left the bikes and then just took a side loop through Croatia to yeah. um we drove, see as much as we around. could. Yeah, yeah. And that, down the coast. To go down the coast. Is that what you're? Uh, yeah, from inland. Yeah. We uh we we came down the coast and um and then we went followed the coastline up to the um the western part of yeah, Croatia yeah. and then back in, inland again to the capital. Yeah. And then, of course, places like, you know, Paris, you know, it's yeah. amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. So we left our bikes on the the one of the towns, um, Orléans, I think it was. Orléans, yeah. And then we caught a train yeah. up into Paris and we spent five, five days in Paris. Um, yeah. Paris was beautiful as well yeah. for us. Um, it was very romantic, I guess, yeah. in a way. It was, it was just that beautiful, beautiful sort of area. Yeah. Um, we all... we, yeah, so we didn't we didn't shortcut our um, our cycling. So we, we'd leave our bike somewhere, go into a side trip, and then come back, back and then pick up pick up where we started off. So yeah. okay, yeah. And also, what was the end point of your? What What was the last place that you got to? It was like right, we're done. Porto in Portugal. All oh, right. Was that a bit of an emotional yeah. moment? I think or it was not? more emotional on doing the Camino. The finishing um, the Camino. Trail. 
So oh, okay. Because that was like the it felt like the official end once we'd we'd finished not only the Camino Trail, which is like mm. a big a big thing, like it's a very a very big sense of um, place when you're on the Camino Trail, big sense of community and everyone on this pilgrimage. Yeah. And for us, we we'd started our pilgrimage a lot yeah. earlier, um, so it was like these two big journeys finished um on that last day of of the camino and so when we went off to the office to get our little certificate it was like a really emotional moment because that was officially the end of the cycling yeah so originally we had planned to ride down to lisbon but um just we ran out of time and and we had to get back to australia so we booked flights from porto and um, flew out of porto back to australia Wow, what a trip that is! I've got loads. I've got uh, loads more like ad hoc questions, but just a quick on on Europe. Anything's finished on Europe? Like, would you go back and do like a different type of route in Europe, or would you say that's absolutely? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. There's so many places in Europe we would love to to go and visit. From our point of view, I guess it, it's it's about just being on an adventure and and seeing places that we haven't seen before and. Um, it's always exciting, right? What's yeah. around the next corner? Oh, we met some lovely people along the way, yeah. cycle, other cycle tourers and just just random people who we connected with, um, mm-hmm. which is always like yourself. And, yeah, um, absolutely. So, so that's always nice to be able to have communications with other people around the world as well. Okay, that might be my first question. Actually, do you still keep in contact, and maybe have you even seen some people that you met uh, on that year? Uh, we definitely keep in contact. We definitely yeah. keep in contact with some of the people. We... We've seen you just now yeah. on the TV. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you know? Did you have ideas back then when we saw you that you would do something like this? No, hundred percent not. Ah. I, t- I, t- I tell you what's changed. I thought during lockdown, what can I do to one something I'm interested in. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll start a podcast and see where that goes. So you yeah, cool. nice. are, are pretty much, you're my first people since a year, like in terms of time of recording right now. So you are like the first guys I've actually interviewed in my second year. And it's been a year. It's like crazy. I, I, some people I've known, some people I've not, some people I've met, uh, different types of travelers. This is the first, you're the first couple who've done what I would consider this unique type of travel where I said to Emily the other day, I said, oh, we, we need to do something like Michael Marissa where we're going to go and just walk for six months in a place or bike or do something that's a bit, what's the word, not as obvious as what people do. You know, you fly somewhere, you do a trip, you go around on buses, like something a bit more abnormal. Yeah. So I think you guys have yeah. definitely inspired me and Emma to kind of think about that going forward. So we're kind of figuring that out at the minute. That's cool. And if you want to take away the daunting aspect of it, because if you start off going, oh, I'm going to do this thing for a year, it's like, whoa, that's overwhelming. It's really daunting. Yeah. We set off with the idea that if at any point couldn't do it anymore, couldn't handle it, cut it, pull a pin, come home. And that was that was a given. We'd accepted we had an agreement. Or even if I couldn't hack it and I needed to come home and Michael kept going. That okay, was, so that agreement. Right. That took away a huge daunting element of doing something like this that was so different so many unknowns um the scary side of you know does my body have physical limitations yeah. that mean like i can't do this you know you don't know until you start it take okay. away that element of fear by giving yourself an out got it something i'd like to add is that um 
uh, and I've, I've thought about this quite a little bit. Um, uh, we probably rode uh, about 10,000 kilometres altogether mm. over a, a year. And if you think about that number and say, wow, 10,000 kilometres, like I would never be able to ride 10,000 kilometres. If you break it down into little bits mm-hmm. and if you said that, well, if I rode 50 kilometres over 200 days, then that is 10,000 kilometres. It's just amazing. Like, uh, like, like it, if, is if, yeah, it is achievable. If you did 100 yeah. kilometres, uh, you know, over 100 days, that's 10,000 kilometres. So if you did 50 kilometres over 200 days, that's 10,000 kilometres as well. And in a year, you've got 365 days in yep. a year. Yeah. So it's just about breaking it down into little chunks. Do- doable bits, yeah. like how far am I going to ride today? Like how far is the next town? So we never really thought like, oh, we want to just ride 100 kilometres every day, every day, every day, every day. Oh, where are we going to sleep? Oh, we'll just sleep on the side of the road. It wasn't about that. It was just about going to what's... What, next corner where's, where's yeah. the next town and, yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah. And like we can we can ride 50 kilometers no problem and 50 kilometers was it was actually easy like for some people it sounds like a lot but 50 kilometers was achievable our average was 75 and often okay. we would do more than that um so it, it you, you surprise yourself once you start and the fitness it comes in time mm-hmm it happens um you just take it easy on yourself to begin with and give yourself permission to feel tired give yourself permission to have days where you don't want to do it yeah um and you just have a break yeah and that's fine and then you get back to it again a couple of days later yeah if you see something cool along the way uh, maybe it might be five kilometers in you just stop and you have a look yeah. at that thing and you That's explore it. And then you go and you take your look. time and you you go, wow, I didn't even know this was going to be yeah. here. Like, how cool is that? So many times Marissa would say, oh, look at that. Look, it's going to have a look. And it was this amazing temple that we didn't even know was there. We yeah. just sort of ride over and have a look at it. Tell me freedom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah absolutely. Mm. And you trust your instincts and, and your common sense and that keeps you safe. But... We, we never really felt unsafe mm. at any time, which was really good. We were very lucky with that. A lot of people ask us that question, did you feel unsafe? Would anything scary happen? Did people make you feel threatened? It was like, mm. no. Um, I, I've, I've heard other people talk about uh, when they're on tour groups, when they're hopping off the bus and they're being targeted by pickpockets and, they you know, they can see that there's a ring that's circled in on them. That never happened to us because... We obviously didn't have much. We were on our bikes and yeah. we were slogging it. And so people had a different sort of perspective towards us. They had a respect for us because we worked hard to I, get there off our own steam. I think also that we, we weren't really in uh, in a highly dense tourist area. Mm. I mean, occasionally. Uh, occasionally we were. Yeah. But for the most part of our trip, we weren't anywhere near those touristy areas you know uh, uh, there were major capital cities that we were like oh well we're going to go and visit here and we're going to go and visit there and you're still going to keep your wits about you but um but we were never obviously we're never perceived as a target so Mm -hmm. just because of the situation that we were in yeah maybe because we were smelly i don't know (laughs) yeah maybe yeah (laughs) 
no. <laughs> yeah. And it's not it's not to say also that some days weren't hard because definitely there were some really hard days. Yeah, low days. You know, yeah. where we were just tired. And yeah. we I remember riding through um a storm oh. on a on a a dirt road. And, it's just and, a, a dirt road on top of a levee bank. Like middle of nowhere in Europe, like nowhere near any main roads. And, um, yeah, Marissa's like, oh, there's lightning. Like, we should get off of this levee. Because, like, and we're I, in the high point. And I'm thinking, <laughs> lightning. Like, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> we've got to get to where we're going. Like, we'll be right. Like, let's just stay here, whatever. Literally, like, He's just like Ugh, 30, keep 30 seconds later, this um, lightning bolt hit a tree, like, about 20 <laughs> metres from me. Trees on fire, tree exploded. I've never seen Michael move so fast off that levy bank. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what did I tell uh, you? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were saturated, oh, we were yeah. covered in mud, and yeah. it took us about three hours more uh, longer to get to our destination that day. Yeah. It was just, it was what it was, and we just kept going, so... Okay. And my question, this is quite an important question. We, we spoke before we started recording. How did you keep like a record or like a journal or an idea of what you're doing each day? Like, how did you record this sort of trip? I brought Marissa with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I used um, I used Facebook. Facebook was a great tool for that because we had a lot of followers back home. Yeah. Um, if, if we didn't post something for a couple of days, I was getting messages oh, going, where are you? What's happening? Are you okay? Like people were just hanging out to see the post every day. So that's where I, uh, you know, shared the photographs, the, the, the best, best photographs of the day. Yeah. And I would, uh, keeping a log, so it wasn't just about photographs. It was like a, a writing a log through Facebook. So it served a few purposes in that it kept track of it for us. Um, it, it also provided other people with an opportunity to travel with us because there was uh, people with <clears throat> illness or disabilities of, of various kinds back home who just can't travel and they were living vicariously through us for a year. And that was really important to me. Um, it kept me going. There was times when I thought, oh, like, a lot of people are turning their back on Facebook at the moment and it feels very much um, it, it can it can go into the direction of being, you know, show-offy and, and, you know, talking, oh, me, me, me kind of thing. But what kept me going was that I knew that there was people, like, busting every day. They're like, where are they now? Where are they mm. now? And so that, yeah. that kept me going. Um, and that was, that was easy because it's accessible. Um, you know, you write your little thing and, and you post it and it's there for forever, basically, to, to look back on. But I also used polar steps. Polar steps. So that kept um, track of the destinations on a map. Oh, okay. Right. So we had a visual map at the end that, that showed everywhere we went. So that was really cool, just for a different perspective. And did you write and a journal also, as well? Not, not, not so much of a journal, but um, I wrote, I wrote different articles about um, different aspects of, of the experiences, and and they were on a WordPress blog. Ah, oh, WordPress, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. And Michael, uh, your drones—did you get some decent footage from that? You must have done, right? 
Yeah, I think I've got about. Uh, so I had a GoPro and, yep. and I had a drone. Mm. Um, and so we carried all of this as well as our climbing gear, as well as yep. laptop. And, and we had like all this extra stuff that we probably didn't need to take, but it was the fact that we wanted to take it. So yep. I took a lot of footage, but when I came home and I tried to go through all of the footage, it became very overwhelming for me. And so I've, I've viewed all my footage and not edited any of my footage. Okay. And, I mean, we're in two and a half years back now and I still haven't because <laughs> it's so overwhelming yeah. having so much data to sift through. Um, I have had thoughts about maybe paying somebody to um, edit something for me, but then again, I just I haven't got to that yet. Maybe one day I will, and maybe one day I won't. So I still have a lot of footage to sift through, and you know, I guess eighty percent of it is crap, and then twenty percent of it is is worth using you know maybe yeah. or worth, yeah. worth sifting through to use and you can make something really good out of out of but but editing is a whole nother takes a lot of time yes. it's oh, so, tell me about it yeah, so much. yeah. constantly editing that's what i'm doing all the time yeah it's, yeah people don't realize how long it takes oh <laughs> so, um, yeah yeah but I, I i've heard of um people like students who who need to to do editing um because they're doing some sort of course on yeah. on film and photography or whatever and they want to do it on the cheap um but like i didn't know anybody either and maybe eventually i'll find somebody who will put something together for me maybe and, and do you ever sit there and just like look at maybe photos that you've got and like kind of well, review it or record it or yeah. i think facebook's yeah. really good for that um, yeah. Uh, yeah every day we get stuff come up in our feed a lot of people say that they they stop taking photos because they they collect all these photos they never go back and look at them so what's the point <laughs> i look at my photos yeah i it's either the memory has popped up on facebook um, and, and so I'm looking at them and then I, you know, I get delved, you know, delve deeper into the, the memories or I'm trying to remember something and, and I'm going back and looking through them and, yeah, I, I look at my photos. I enjoy them. Yeah. Photos is key. And I, I think from my experience, even journaling is, I know it's a chore, some people don't like it, but you don't always remember the little place that you went to or the little cafe or the little food or someone you met, right? I think that's kind of key to go yeah. to photos if you have them. And that's my biggest regret from my previous trips. I don't have any sort of like structured um, collation of photos and, and comments. I don't, Facebook is probably my, a best tool. Like back in the day when before smartphones, I was uploading my friend's photos because I didn't have a camera either. And just looking at the status, it's like, oh, this day, nine years ago, I've done this. I was like, oh yeah. yeah. It's a great tool, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Okay. I've got some, I normally finish on quick fire questions. I'm going to like maybe tailor them to your trip because I think this would be quite cool. Like uh, they're normally like some of your favorite things and, and stuff like that. So if you're happy to do that, I'll fire some questions. Yeah, at you. for sure. Yeah. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store 
with the affiliate link with T Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Thank you. It's travel question time. Okay. Yep. I normally ask people your favourite countries that you travel to, but I'm going to say for you on your trip, that one-year trip, if you could pick two countries each that were your favourites, what would you pick? Each. So we get mm. four. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so this, yeah. It's very, very difficult. So, but, um, so yeah, Northern, Northern Laos, I really enjoyed that, the remoteness. And then either Croatia or Turkey. I'm going to say Croatia. Okay. They're my two favourites, I think. But I'll probably change my mind in five minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm gonna squeeze in. Uh, so I really enjoyed Vietnam. There was a yep. lot of diversity through Vietnam: caves, mountains, um, oceans, uh, just like a lot of diversity um, and rawness to um, Vietnam. I really enjoyed that sort of aspect of. Uh, I mean, there's a few downsides to you know, visiting countries through Southeast Asia, uh, pollution and other things that, that go on. But but at the end of the day, I, I really enjoyed that sort of rawness of what people endure every day and what mm. they, how they live and, and you know, the conditions that they mm. live in. Are, I mean, they're completely different to what we live in and the world that we live in. So what's yeah. your second country? And my second country is, um, oh, I, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it, it is yeah. really hard yeah. because in every country we went to, there are certain aspects of that country that you love. Yeah. So I really enjoyed Turkey, but I also really enjoyed Spain. So, oh, okay. so mm. it, it, it is, it's sort of a 50-50 there for me on those, on those two through Europe. It's a three. But, <laughs> but what, what Marissa said also yeah. was, um, you know, two countries which I also absolutely love. Also, so. Okay. Um, that's countries. So I know you're in, in the countryside and nature a lot. What would be like maybe a two cities each? What was some of your favourites there? Paris. Paris was yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. We loved Paris. Um. We, we got around super easy in yeah. Paris and, and saw so many exciting things. And Dubrovnik um, really stands out. It feels ancient. Okay. Historic. And yeah. then there was also some cool cool spots where, that were like, oh, this was in Game of Thrones, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And next one is quite an important one. Do you, do you both drink coffee? Do you drink coffee? Yeah. What was the best place to drink coffee, do you think, on your travels in that year? I'm going to say that egg coffee in Hanoi was just, <laughs> yeah. like, really cool for, yeah. for us. Oh. Yeah. Coffee was a big thing. Like, we were constantly seeking out the good coffee. It was really yeah. hard to find. So, because Australia has the best coffee. <laughs> and <Okay>. New Zealand. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the egg coffee in Hanoi, there was this fellow we were in Belgrade in Serbia and there was a Turkish man Yeah, had this little pokey hole in the wall coffee shop called Eclectica 40 and that was amazing coffee too. Oh, wow. That's a great uh, specific tip. I know tip. he's still there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's an unbelievable tip. Okay. And for food, what was maybe 
on your trip i'm gonna I'm word is not not your favorite food but more which country's food helped you with your maybe like your trip right because you're, you're biking every day and you need those nutrients and stuff what was the country where you had no problems with food and it's pretty easy to travel in the highlight for me <laughs> it's oh. gonna be funny. <laughs> so the highlight for me was mcdonald's yeah. <laughs> oh, no. with, the, with the mid-conversation talking about something he'd spy a mcdonald's gone where's this like, what? well i haven't had anything like this for months it's yeah. like oh, oh for weeks like we're living off of noodles or something yeah. or other off the side of the road, yeah. like street food and, and just to see a McDonald's <laughs> it and it was so good. It, to it, it happened a few times. And then he'd just be gone. And I'd be like left there yeah. in, a, in a cloud oh, of dust. There's a McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so, so yeah. I really loved the food in Myanmar, okay. there was um, like they'd make this pumpkin spiced pumpkin curry soup kind of thing that I've tried mm. recreating and I just can't. It was amazing. That was like something that stands out in my memory. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed the pepper crab in Kep. In Cambodia. Yeah. Cambodia. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Kampot pepper crab. Kampot. Kampot pepper, pepper crab. crab. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Very good. A little tip there as well. Okay. What was the, this might be a tough one actually, like landmarks. You must have saw loads of landmarks, like temples and oh. all the stuff. Wow. What would be maybe a top three each? Because I'll, I'll give you three. Like off the top of your head, what what really stuck out for your, your trip there? Yeah, Bagan. That was yeah. amazing. Things, I mean, Eiffel Tower in Paris, things like that. Um, Siem Reap. Yeah, Siem Reap. It, it was because this, I don't know if it's because there's so many temples, but but the creation of them is spectacular. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, you know, and centuries ago. Yeah, like, when like you realise how to the be age of them. Yeah, build something like that. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Some of the old buildings through through Europe as through well, Europe. like some of the yeah. old war torn buildings, like yeah. even though they're just like bubble now and they're just like, I mean, they're they're amazing yeah. too, right? To be yeah. able to see some of those old war torn yeah. buildings. Um, let's go with this. Might be a difficult one as well because you would have seen loads of these. Like your view, the best view. What was the view where you just went, wow? Like this is incredible. Gee, there was a lot of them. Mm. Like you kind of a few, um, I think, for this one. I'm going to say Nongkyo at the top of that mountain. There yeah. you go. The was, sunset view across the river, the rainforest, yeah. the mountains. That was yeah. just spectacular. That was one of those memories that you get a real sense of place. Um, so I remember I, I went to China years ago and I remember when I finally got to stand on, on the Great Wall, the section that I went to, and you see it stretching off into the distance, mm. you get this real like, oh, I'm here, like, mm. wow, real sense of place. And so on top of that mountain in Nongkyo, um, you definitely felt that. The remoteness, um, just beautiful, yeah. I liked um, Cappadocia. I thought that was... That's hot, mm. hot air balloons as well, isn't it? Yeah. Did you do that? Uh, so Cappadocia is in Turkey, in, uh, right? Turkey. Yeah. And um, it has these old uh, 
rustic so, um, places that they would carve very, out. Of very chimneys. Yes. Very chimneys. Yeah. 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 So it's it's surrounded by ancient um, okay. volcanoes. Yeah. And so it's all the pyroclastic flow, all the ash that built up like deep, deep, deep layers over however long, millennia. And then it all eroded away to leave these unusual formations. And so mm-hmm. they carved caves and stuff into those. So very iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember looking down and, and just like imagining, like, wow, that's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a question I didn't get to ask during the whole conversation, but any rough idea of the budget that you spent for this trip? For the two of us, yeah, around 60. 60,000 Australian dollars. So that's including airfares, accommodation, bikes. Bikes, yeah. Food. I remember tallying up at the end, like, all of the expenditure yeah. that came out of my bank account and thinking that for a year it seemed low. Oh, Okay. Like that was a year's worth of living. It yeah. felt like much, much lower than what you would spend at home just doing your normal life. I've got a few more questions. You're going to get what was the high, in, like the highest high, maybe the lowest low each for you on your year? Well, finishing our journey was definitely, I don't know, was it a high? It was, it was, it was a high and a low at the same time. Yeah. So, I remember we rode our bicycles into into the Camino de Santiago um, sort of square um, where they have this um, uh, amazing cathedral um, and it's like the mark of the end of most people walking the Camino mm. de Santiago mm. trail. Right. Okay. For us, it was the end of our cycling trip that we started in Vietnam. And, Mental. And... You know what an amazing high, but also what an amazing low at the same time. So it was, yeah, strangely so. bittersweet. You you had this overwhelming emotions of all kinds, like we've done it, we've 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 achieved so much. Um, yeah, but then you also you're excited to be going home, but then you're also sad because that exciting and new that you're looking forward to every day you realize that's coming to an end so mm-hmm. yeah oh, i was just going to say i think also um, um i don't know if these are in your next questions but but also coming home i've heard about quite a few people who go on some this sort of an adventure yeah and then they come home readjusting to your normal life again it, it's yeah. quite it can be challenging yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. surprisingly the, the readjustment is very yeah um you got used to very moving challenging yeah all the time yeah. you're moving yeah. every day something yeah. new exciting every day and then suddenly that just comes to a grinding halt and i actually i wrote an article about it and how it was you, you're going home to the familiar and what you know but suddenly yeah. it feels unfamiliar and you feel lost it can be very overwhelming to some yeah. people, I think, and, and for even for us, like I think it was very overwhelming the fact that, that, that you almost feel like you've lost your sense of purpose. Yeah. Okay. You don't have this thing to look forward to anymore. Well, I was going to say this is not actually part of my questions. I'll do my last two in a minute. Just, just a bit more on this. Did you both generally struggle with this when you come back? Is it like the initial, I don't know, two three weeks? People come see you, they hear about your trip, but once that little period is over and you start to really settle back down was that was that a struggle or did you find that actually you're both okay with that i think it was a struggle but i think yeah. it was more than two or three weeks i think it was more like four or five months of just ah. 
that 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 readjustment is really like oh what you had you want it back yeah where did it go what, yeah. why don't i have it anymore and and the, just the reality settling back in is really daunting and, and overwhelming yeah you go you go back to you know going to work and paying your bills and buying groceries and just that but at the same time you're like i've got my clothes again i could wear a different outfit today yeah. you know um it, it was a real mixed bag and it would come in 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 um ebbs um some days would be good and other days you just you, oh you get sick of everyone asking the same question but oh, it's like it's to be expected yeah. everyone's curious mm. Um, and so you need you allow them to ask their questions, but inside you're just going, oh, like you just hit hit record, replay, <laughs> same response all the time. Yeah. This yeah. interview has been excellent, though. Like uh, we've really enjoyed just sort of sitting down and going through memory Reflecting lane. And yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. It's been wonderful to um, to uplifting to to be able to. Share just it, share yeah. That and go through that again. This yeah. has got to inspire people. Like, if this doesn't inspire people to go traveling, I, I don't know what will. So, um, I'm pretty <laughs> we confident. Did, we, did in, we did inspire people to do their own, like, not necessarily cycling, but their yeah. own version of, of a year off. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit. Uh, <laughs> so, they all yeah. had to come home. Yeah. So, it's been so our timing, really difficult. Our timing was fortuitous. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely. were very like so many people come up to me and say like, "Oh my God, you were so lucky to to yeah. come to do your trip when you did and come back when you did because yeah. of yeah. you know the whole world has changed now." Yeah, yeah you, you basically travelled pre-COVID. I mean, we're not going back to those yeah. levels again. Whatever, whatever you do. Yeah. So um, that's yeah. that's probably more inspiring for someone to do a trip now because afterwards, you know, what's the world going to be like when if you don't do a trip again, right? What's post-COVID? Mm -hmm. Those countries gonna be looking like they, it might be worse, it might be better, it might be completely different. Who knows? That's right. That's right. Got two questions. Two questions left, and we'll wrap this up. Yeah. My next okay. question is: If you had to do your year trip again, but not the same trip, so you're not going to the same countries, where would you go and do a year's riding? What area of the world would you go to? I think we've got two. Uh, different, I know where two I two different go. answers uh, for this. Okay. Uh, I, would, I would go to um, South America. I think would oh, be. Yeah. Just an incredible journey. Again, it's it's that rawness yeah. of the country, beautiful um, yeah, scenery, beautiful, uh, amazing people, amazing places that I've never been to before. So for me, yeah, definitely, I think uh, South America would be a place to to go again and, and, and travel. Mm. Yeah. And I'd love to go to South America. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm just terrified of the idea of cycling there. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of mountains, like lot, a lot, lot of hills, mountains yeah. there. Altitude and, as well. And um, yeah. all that fitness that I accumulated on the trip, <laughs> yeah, that's now gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'd be starting out from scratch again, a little older, uh, a little bit more injured. So, um, but I I do like the idea of going and cycling through Japan. Um, I don't think there's a whole year's worth there, but. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've got ideas of little places I'd like to go for shorter, shorter cycling trips. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, right now, I can't think of where I would go and spend a year on a bike again. Which leads me to my last question, which I normally finish on. It's normally a quote or a reason. But my question to you guys is, 
if someone is now listening to this and thinking, oh, should I go? Should I not? What would be a, a few sentences each of why someone should embark on this sort of trip? You only live once. Yes. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> you don't get second chances in life. So you only get older. So just do it because one of the reasons that I wanted to do it in the initial, because I didn't want, I wanted to have something in my life that that I was proud of. But I I hadn't visited a lot of countries before and I I remember, um, I remember watching uh, Banff, film festivals and thinking like those people are so amazing they do such amazing adventures and things like this like and achieve so much from it and and I was super excited about about their journey and what they had done and then I realized that I can do that myself I can go on a journey and I can make it fit the things that I like and the things that I want to see and I don't have to wait until I'm retired to do this and then sit in a bus and look out a window. And that's the thing, uh, doing wanted, it before you're too old to do it. Yeah. Or something like absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I was still able to be able to hike up that mountain and then I wanted to do it now before I was not able to to do it anymore. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that you know, you, you, you're never too old to be able to go and see something and travel and do something. Mm, mm. But there are limitations the older you get. That there are, it's, it's, your trip is different. When you get older, you need to, you know, you know use public or, or transport. You need yeah. to use cars. And Factor in your recovery and, stuff and, and all that yeah, sort of thing, yeah. And, I, I think that, um, like, whatever whatever amazing like everyone's got some sort of amazing thing that they would love to do but they don't think they could do it and you just got to take that first small step pare back all the layers and what I was talking about before about don't look at that big big thing break it down into small and and baby steps and before you know it you've got somewhere and you've done something amazing you never thought you'd ever do you didn't even imagine you'd do it. Like I never imagined I'd do something like this. But it's life-changing and that's that's why you should do it. It just it brings you to places that you never thought you'd see, um, experiences that you look back on it and you're just like, I can't believe I did that. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and it, right. that's yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've actually got one cheeky question. This is not really part of the thing, but do you hear a lot? I hear a lot, even from my friends, you know, I'm maybe a, bit, a little bit long, younger than you guys, but they say stuff like, I'll, I'll do that when I'm retired or I'll do that when I'm older. Like, I, I find that incredible because one, there's no guarantee you'll be older. <laughs> you might not be here. And two, yeah. when you're older, you're tired. You're fucked from like having probably kids or working for 40 years. Exactly. I mean, you would want to, but like, physically, yeah, all that yeah. stuff, like, it's going yeah. to come down on you, right? So you have to go now, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally right. You should, you, should, you should just make a plan, even if it takes you a couple of years, three years or four years, to just have this idea in your yeah. head and build on it. Make it 
make it yours. Research as well. Yeah, Research yeah. is what takes away a lot of that fear. When you see that other people have done stuff before you as yeah. well, um, and it gives you ideas and it takes away some of that element of going out there into the unknown, doing it on your own. Mm. You're, you're following something that someone else has done, yeah. you know, their own version of it. But, um, yeah, yeah, you realise that there's plenty of options out there for you. Um, things are accessible. Save up your money for an airfare, you know, and then if you don't have much money and you, you need to do everything cheap, there are so many places that you can go yeah. to that are cheap. Yeah. yeah. Cheap yeah. places and cheap accommodation, cheap food, um, um, you know, but then that might not be your style. You might like something more luxurious and, mm -hmm. and so save up some more money and, yeah. but still do it. Absolutely. Just, you know, go to the go to research. Yeah, that's exactly right. We we met a fellow in um, uh, Bulgaria who, so he was a dentist, and he took I think um, he went off to go cycle for like either three or six months, hmm. and he came home two years later. He wow! Did the, uh, he cycled through the Pania Highway. Pania Highway, and yeah, so he just kept going and going. He just kept adding on. He was just and he did it on his own as well. Mm. Um, he just enjoyed it, got it completely immersed in it. And then one day he just went, mm, I'm ready to come home. Yeah. I think yeah. He, he cycled through the stands and into China. And, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's true yeah, to me. So proper, proper remote. Yeah. Proper remote. It's, it's raw and, yeah. and there's, but it, it's big distances between villages, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, but but spectacular scenery from what I've seen of from mm. other people's videos and things. Okay, I genuinely believe that COVID has actually triggered these thoughts to people. I, I do think being stuck indoors for what's it been two years yeah. or year and a half, whatever it's been, wherever you are, that they're kind of thinking, do you know what? Maybe this job is not worth putting all my effort into and all my time. Maybe it's worth doing something unique or out there. And I think your guys' story has to inspire that sort of thinking even more so i'm really appreciative that you've spent a few hours with me talking today about your trip uh, there's loads more that you probably would, would talk about but we've only got a limited amount of time but maybe i can get you guys back on for maybe another part of that trip maybe the europe portion in detail but yeah thanks for coming on today i really appreciate it sounds great our pleasure thank you very much for having us great and it's to great see you again great to see you guys as well yeah it's been a while yeah, it's been too long <laughs> see you see it take care Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also find this podcast episode on YouTube. Please search for Winging It Travel podcast and you can follow and subscribe today. It will either be the video of the podcast or there will be some still pictures to accompany the audio. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.